there's this um there's this famous New York radio personality, the guy the guy who worked at Mike Francesa, crap mad dog Chris Russo. And the way he would intro shows, he would go, ah, and he would like do this like big build up and then go, good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I should do that one. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's, it's like a that's not bad. We can we could do something building. Welcome everyone to the very first episode of I believe we're calling it We Fucked Up. I think so, um, yeah. Yes. After the uh, <laughs> the chant that the ECW fans love to chant, they so love much. chanting "We fuck up" of themselves, you know, <laughs> for showing up to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time, every time <laughs> they see a spot that like really goes wrong, they're like, "What are we doing? <laughs> we paid money for these seats. We fucked up. They, they, we fucked, we fucked up." up. <laughs> and, then, and then some and the sign guy in the front was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> a sign idea." Anyway, this is a, a, a po- another wrestling podcast. Um, another one, yeah. Another one. We will need more that uh, we're going to do here. And we're mainly going to be reviewing uh, uh, ECW um, because we're both from the Philly area and we've always wanted to watch it. And we figured why not watch it and talk about it. That'd be fun, you know, make some content out of it. Um, but besides ECW for a sec, how's wrestling now, bud? Oh, wrestling now. <laughs> pretty fucking crazy, yeah, right? It's, it's, a, it's a pretty wild year for wrestling, you know? Um, uh, to give some context, I'm a bit of a laps wrestling fan. I didn't really watch prior. <laughs> I probably should, like, yeah, you probably should talk about this, huh? Yeah, I think, I think yeah. giving some context is important. All right. Like, well, uh, my name is Steve. Um, I've been watching wrestling since 2099 or whatever, and then yeah. I stopped watching from like 03 to 05, and then I saw the Boogeyman on my TV one time, and I was like, I'm back in. I'm <laughs> a bitch. Um, when did you uh, when did you start watching? When I started watching, really, it was as long as I can remember, um, because I had an older brother who was also into yep. wrestling. Yeah. So it's oh, what's your name, by the way, bud? Oh, yeah. My name is Tyler, <laughs> by the way. You may recognize me from uh, from nowhere else. I'm oh, no. Off the Hot Podcast. So- Oh yeah, the Hot Topic Yeah, Hot Topic, that's what it is. Yeah, hop, obviously, I, I do have a bit of a following that I'm bringing over to this show. <laughs> this numbers uh, to go. <laughs> I, have, I have, of course, starred on that podcast with Steve multiple times. I've been on there twice, once in person, once on a phone. Yeah, over there in that podcast, we talk about beer. Not really. But here, we're <laughs> here to talk about ECW, but not really. Right now, we're talking about our history with re- watching wrestling. And yeah, my brother watched, my older brother watched wrestling, so... I don't remember a time when I didn't watch it, but it was around. If my memory serves, yeah. it's like ninety nine. And then you you, know, you fell like, off in like middle school, high school, right? Yeah, I fell off probably when I was around like uh, fourteen. You yep. know, that first wave of adolescent depression where yeah. you, you become disenchanted with everything that gave you joy <laughs> once. So yeah, I, and also to be fair, the show was terrible. Yo, so, <laughs> way, it really wasn't a me thing. La Familia wasn't the fucking excellent. Uh, fucking uh, yeah, I always would describe it to people like ever since high school and on. I was like, I, I was that weird kid that kept watching. <laughs> like yeah. I remember, I remember very specifically the one day going to school and it's like not cool anymore. And I was just like, whoa, what? You guys don't want to talk about Randy Orton? <laughs> like, <laughs> you guys don't fucking dude, idolize. He fucking kicked the kick some guy's head in. You guys don't want to talk about that? And they're like, like, look at me like, what? They're like, dude, we found dude, out what weed is. Dude, Michael Vick's an eagle now. We got more important things to do. Like, <laughs> yeah, true. Like, that shit was nuts. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, and also, like, we're good friends. We've known each other for what, like, over 10 years now? Like, yeah, yeah. Around, like, so, middle school time? Yeah, we've known each other since, 
Yeah, middle school time, and I, and even around when we started talking, like you know, we both like shared our, our interest with yeah. wrestling. Oh yeah, you know? I always even if I wasn't an active watcher at the time, <laughs> I still had a huge spot in my heart for wrestling. It just didn't interest me like currently. Of course, yeah. A- anyone that I meet, I always like have this little meter in my head, like, can we talk wrestling a little bit? Can we, can we talk a little bit? <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta suss that out, right? And it's always like a, they're always on a certain level. Like sometimes they'll be like, yeah, I like lo- I like wrestling. <laughs> oh, Vince McMahon's really funny. <laughs> oh, divas are really hot. It's like, oh, you're. <laughs> On that level. They okay. got like a Hulk Hogan poster in the room. Like, all right, let's chill a little bit. Here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when did you you stopped watching around like the mid two thousands or whatever? And then like I think you've gotten back in with I guess a like I got you back a little bit into it like before that like NXT and shit like that. Yeah, besides, like AEW really popped it off. Besides like the niche like one offs whatever like y- you know like we like we watched Lucha Underground. Yes, that know. was the first real thing we we watched together. Yeah, yeah. Shouts out. But it was all it was like, all born from this. <laughs> It was all born from this very, like, dry period where it's, like, WWE wasn't really bringing the goods, uh, but they did have some, like, like NXT was a good show yeah, at the time. fucking awesome. Um, went to the, went to the first, uh, Brooklyn show. Fucking legendary. But, yeah, there was, there was just, like, kind of, like, we wanted to watch wrestling, but there wasn't really many shows we wanted to watch, and then AEW started, and that kind of, like, was our show. And then or I was, like, me, it's certainly my show. I was, like, new WCW starting. I'm buying us tickets to Washington. We're fucking going. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That was great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so now, uh, we, we've been talking about wrestling, you know, all this time. We're like, let's, let's record, let's talk about it. And we always wanted to watch ECW and we wanted to go back to it. So we're going to do that. Um, oh, I forgot. I, I entered this talking about modern wrestling. That's fucking crazy. Uh, do you see that shit with Kenny Omega on Twitter? It has a bite mark on his arm. Oh my god. Let me, let me no, live show not. you this right now. I did not. We have to have a Cinderella Inquisition <laughs> where every worker in AEW has to like put their mouth on that bite to show it doesn't match. <laughs> and then we eventually make our way to Ace Steel. And Ace Steel has just gotten dentist work done. <laughs> His mouth is He's really like, swollen. He's like, oh no. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to. He's like, come on. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, um,. So, in case we're breaking this news to you. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, CM Punk sucker punched Nick Jackson in the fucking face, and then apparently someone got a chair thrown at their head, and then Ace Steel thought they were all attacking his wife for some reason and bit Kenny Omega. Um, yeah, that, that that excuse I never really gave much uh, credit to, where it's just like, my wife with a broken foot was in the room. What did you want me to do? <laughs> Not bite Kenny yeah, Omega? Yeah, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, here, here we go. He, he was on a stream with Capcom. Uh... Check that out. You can see it's like a little, like a, like a little bite mark browned around his arm there. Oh, I do. See that. <laughs> Ooh, I know, right? Okay. <laughs> it's pretty fucking crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and that's not really a part where you would want, like, you know. Like... No, it's not even like a kinky part. No. It's like just on the fucking forearm, on like the forearm. Yeah. I mean, I could see it. I but maybe. I don't know. If you're, <laughs> and also if you do, if you are partaking in some lovemaking activity where you're gonna make some bite marks, you're gonna wear some longer sleeves. Yeah, that was my first thought. I was like, why didn't Kenny wear long sleeves? Maybe, maybe Kenny. So it's an would, injury. It's a wound. Maybe it's Kenny was just just like fuck it. I'll let people. There's see no, like. there's no sexual shame associated. Like, with that yeah, fight. like if that was bit and like. It, like and the asshole was out there. Like I'd be like, yeah, fuck it, expose that shit. Like fuck yeah. it. But uh, but yeah. So modern wrestling shit aside. Um, we're going back to 1994, the lovely, beautiful time of 1994. Tyler, what were you doing in January of 1994? Uh, January 1994, I was glimmering <laughs> in the pupil of an eye, just waiting to fertilize an egg. 
Uh, uh, we're not born yet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to date ourselves a little bit. Yeah, that, that's why it's going to be fun going back. Because, like, it's all, it's all agitator shit where people are like, yo, man, it's just so much better back then. It's like, was it? Was it? No, what, what, what really was it? was it? Honestly, after watching this episode, it's mixed. It's, it's something, I agree. Some things are actually a lot better. I am so, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, it's more a little bit. I am so into the show. You're into I, it. I yeah. am so into this. Yeah. I, I wrote in my notes if, if I was 26 in 1994, I'd be going every fucking weekend. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be giving you gas money to get me the fuck over there all the goddamn time. Like, honestly, this, this, yeah. I, I think that'll be an important point to talk about. I guess we know where you're coming in on it. But, like, yeah, did this episode sell us on the pay per view that it's talking? You know? Sold like, me the hell. <laughs> I also want to buy a, a Holiday Hell t shirt. But anyway, this is episode one. It's a. Uh, January 4th, 1994. Before we get there, there was some ECW before 1994. I just couldn't find the episodes. And I figured, <laughs> you know, 94 is a good time to start. And I didn't expect to uh, pick, pick this well of a time. But I'll talk about it in my little little preamble here. I think before we launch into that, we should make a note on the uh, the version of ECW that we're yes, watching. Yes, you know what? Eastern Championship Wrestling. This is NWA, Eastern yeah. Championship Wrestling, I should say. This is not Extreme Championship Wrestling. And it is not run by Paul Heyman. And not only that, it is not the... Well, I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong Yes. Here, but this is not the network version. Now, is there a network no. version? So, there is a network version. So, what we're watching it on... It's, I feel like I'm not, I could talk about that, right? Like I don't want to like. Fine. We do yeah. not. We do not condone uh, illegally yeah. streaming anything. I do not condone uh, ripping files and re-editing them to make them better. I do not condone any of that. The um, daily motion. It's, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's hard, but it, you know what? Find me at Twitter at I. You know, um, maybe I'll send it to you. Anyway, uh, I won't do that. Don't do that. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the history of ECW pre nineteen ninety four. So Tyler. Do you know anything about the names Todd Gordon or Joel Goodhart? I do not. Okay. Well, I've written this up, so I'm going to try, try to read it word for word, but we'll see. Okay. You cannot tell the story about the beginning of BCW and Todd Gordon without mentioning his predecessor, Tri-State Wrestling Alliance, and its owner, Joel Goodhart. Joel Goodhart was a sports talk radio host. I think it was on 94 WIP. I saw one source say that, but I don't know for sure, so I'm just going to say it is. <laughs> no, that's bad. It was a sports radio uh, one show. Source is good. Yeah, one source is fine. Uh, in Philadelphia, it was the pop. If people from the Philly area, ninety four is like a popular Philly sports radio station. They just you know talk Eagles and yell. Um, and he had his own wrestling radio show on there. Um, Joel started so through that he gained like a little bit of popularity as a personality, and he gained some extra money. And uh, through that he started his own promotion. He started Tri State Wrestling Alliance in nineteen eighty nine, or TWA for short. Uh, for the next two and a half years, TWA would hold some of the bigger indie shows in the U.S. for the time. Uh, he would use his radio show to help promote the upcoming shows. Uh, that would really help to draw the crowds. But one of the big reasons why the shows were so good is because Joel would fly in big names from all across the country. Uh, big names at the time like Paul Orndorff, uh, Ivan Koloff, Abdul the Butcher, Austin Idol, Tully Blanchard, Jerry Lawler, you know, Von Erichs, etc. Right. He would get all these big names. However, by doing this, Joel would... Uh, Kind of getting a little trouble money-wise. I was about to yeah. say, you, <laughs> said, you, you said that he had like saved up a nice little nest egg to start an indie wrestling show. And like I've heard old-timey stories. Sometimes that happened. Sometimes <laughs> a worker could make so much money that they could start another thing. Sure. But that's a lot of money to be flying off, you know, flying over Paul Orndorff and, and yeah. Jerry Law. Like, how, yeah, how's the he affording, butcher, how's yeah, he affording big, this? Big time. So he had a very high overhead. So he would have you know sponsors and stuff to help with the show and, and business partners and stuff like that. And uh, one of them being a jewelry store owner, Todd Gordon. 
Uh, Todd Gordon, who's been a wrestling fan since he was a kid, always wanted to find a way into the wrestling business and saw TWA as his opportunity. Todd was a fan of the show, as he would go, was really excited, you know, and he's like, yeah, we'll do something about this. It was a money mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Todd, Todd uh, contacted Joel to inquire about purchasing some ad space, but also uh, have one of the TWA stars come down to his jewelry store, specifically Missy Hyatt, who was like uh, one of like the hottest acts in the early 90s. Uh, she was very popular. Sure. Uh, she was on WCW a lot and some other promotions. I'm sorry, wrestling nerds. I don't know the other promotions. Emotions. That's fine. Um, but and yeah. you know what? Neither do they. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're getting into like 80s wrestling. Like my 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 knowledge is like like 90 on. <laughs> See, we're the ones with the microphone. That's we fair. don't have to pretend to that's, know anything we that's don't. A, that's a great point. Because we can't hear them. <laughs> they can only hear only us. Hear us. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a good point. But yeah, so she went to the jewelry store. It went great. Uh, so now he started um, becoming a partner and he would help Joel with the shows and he would occasionally give his advice and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, he would, uh, he would tell, talk to Joel and he would be like, hey man, like, I noticed that you're uh, thing a lot of money on talent. Right. Um, a lot of my money. Yeah. Because you know, we're sharing this money now. <laughs> yeah, he, he would be like, yeah, listen, like, uh, maybe if you brought in like one or two people and had some indie guys there, maybe I would... You know, it would do better. And, like, uh, like a normal show. Uh, and Todd said, according, in, in quote, would say to him, you don't understand the business. I know what I need to troll. <laughs> so, Whoa! Yeah. This guy who just started an <laughs> indie wrestling show is like, I know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> Everything would come to a head in January of 93 with the upcoming TWA show Winter Challenge 3. Todd was getting worried because two weeks out of the show, Joel was not answering any of his phone calls. That's, and, that's a, and, <laughs> and ignoring him and the talent about the upcoming show. Holy shit. Uh, here's Don't a, go to that show. For, for <laughs> you're, you're supposed to work. No, you're not. Take well, the night off. For more detail on this, uh, here's an excerpt from the January 27th edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter detailing what happened. Joel Goodhart, uh, this is from Dave Meltzer. Joel Goodhart, the controversial Philadelphia wrestling promoter whose Tri-State Wrestling Association has gained a cult following, announced on Saturday his radio show that because he's out of money, he's done with the wrestling business. (laughs) (laughs) Besides uh, the TWA, which promoted quarterly bloodbaths in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania Hall, uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania's Hall, that were probably the most talked about and well-attended independent shows in the country, uh, with two shows drawing better than $30,000 in houses, along with independents in the Delaware Valley that weren't nearly as well-attended, that also means the end of Goodhart's radio show on WIP in Philadelphia and his Squared Circle fan club, which had luncheons with many of the top name wrestlers and his Ringmasters Wrestling School in Philadelphia. Goodhart had talked of late about expanding TWA with his first television tapings being scheduled for later this month, and not too long ago he was talking about promoting 125 shows in 1992, including five shows per month in the state of Florida. Five shows a month? Five shows a month. This, oh man, this man had a vision. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> uh, Goodhart's bankruptcy announcement came just one week before the scheduled big show in Philadelphia, which insiders have known was falling apart. In recent weeks, Goodhart's deal with Joe Diago, which had him getting new, him getting one New Japan match on each of the big shows, fell apart because he was tired of Goodhart not returning his calls. Yeah. In addition, Buddy, the Buddy Rogers versus Buddy Landell match had fallen apart even before Goodhart's announcement. Rogers had decided to pull from the show because Goodhart never returned his phone calls. <laughs> it was going to make an announcement publicly over the weekend. Another headline match, uh, Dan Crawfat and Doug Furness versus Steve Williams and Terry Gordon was also excitingly doubt- exceedingly doubtful because you got it. None of the four had any of the phone calls returned. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. His phone was still lost. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's going bad for our, our friend here. 
Um, Dave says, in truth, Goodhart's final fatal mistake was he simply put together an operation that needed consistent money to sustain itself and it wasn't able to generate that kind of money. Even on the biggest houses, there was question whether or not the shows were even profitable since he paid so many big guarantees to load up the shows and had large expenses of flying so many wrestlers in. The independent promoters who have been able to survive in these times where it's difficult to draw to the live shows because of so much free television uh, wrestling with the WWF and to a lesser extent WCW. All right, Dave. With the North Radio having <laughs> all the big names making everything else seem Bush League in comparison. So yeah, like, he goes on a little bit more just like basically just saying the same thing we already said. Like, he's paying so much money to these names and just like, here's the money mark, you know? He just ran these big shows and was like, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Florida and then I'm gonna yeah. take over. And, and he like, did way better numbers than most indie shows, yeah. so he got a big boner for it. And yeah. then like yeah, but but he never profited. He nope. never actually made money. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. So yeah, so a week before the show, like he just uh, oh, and also included in there, uh, he did not refund anyone money. He just a week before the show, it was like show's not happening. Bye, and then he skipped town. Yeah, pretty um, hard to refund people money when you uh, didn't pay your phone bill. Like, <laughs> I'm not really sure why this is just your Just the one. constant stream. I just I was cackling reading it. Just the constant stream of just like, oh, didn't refund the phone call. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he didn't, he didn't hear. He, when you said the line like, yeah, insiders knew it was falling apart. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Nobody had heard from him for yeah. weeks. Like, <laughs> was like, is he dead? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people were wondering like, how am I going to get in? Like, where do I park? Like, like basic details I cannot reach this guy for. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a bad time, and uh, it really pissed off a lot of the locals who were really behind the small company. You know, Philly crowd, as we'll get into, were very loyal and they're very like, let's like, we want to get behind a, a thing. You well, know? I mean, from that from their perspective, I mean, like you have this guy who's throwing on these banger shows at reasonable prices, and yeah. you're going to them and you're having a great time. Yeah. So you're like, shit. And he's doing the luncheons. He's yeah. doing all the fan club stuff. He's, like He's got a great suite of programs, yeah. but it's just not sustainable. No, so no, eventually no. the well ran, ran dry. <laughs> and then he said, thank you for your money. I'm going somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much. I'm broke. <laughs> so yeah, there was, there, was a, there was a big hole left uh, with the local fans. They really wanted something new. And so in the aftermath of TWA's sudden closure, uh, former TWA talent and production crew, namely Bob Ortiz, Larry Winters, and Stevie Wonderful, set up a meeting with Todd Gordon with the idea to start running more shows without Joel or under, and under a new name. They had everything they needed to run a new show, with Larry supplying the talent from TWA's old wrestling school and Bob and Stevie supplying the lights and the speakers to, uh, to run the show. They just needed capital to purchase a promoter's license, which Todd could afford. After going home and talking over with his family, Todd figured, what the heck, and a new promotion was born. Todd announced in February of 1992 that Eastern Championship Wrestling would be starting up with its first show, Market Street Mayhem, being held at the original sports bar in Philadelphia. For the first show, this, this is going to get some skeevy promoter shit right now, you're going to love oh, this. I can't wait. Yeah. For the first show, uh, Todd appointed Larry Winters to be the head booker. However, this will be Larry's first and only night as booker, as he was removed immediately following the show after swerving Todd and booking a racist angle in the main event. Whoa! Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. In the main event. The main event. Dude. All right. So, so racists are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you give them a crumb of, po- of power. <laughs> they just take it. And they will, they will bake a bread of shit. They will just, they will, they will just go for it. <laughs> In the not, main event. Not only did he go for it, Tyler. He wanted, so let me go into what he wanted to do. Oh, Jesus. The spot that was pitched to Todd by Larry was to have a double DQ and then post-match. So this is a match that Larry was in. It was Larry and a partner versus uh, a guy named JT Smith uh, and his tag partner, DC Drake. Uh, for relevance, uh, JT Smith's a black wrestler. Um, so after the match, they would have a double DQ. Larry would grab a bucket of white paint, which was hidden under the ring, and paint JT Smith. Oh, 
When he pitched the spot before the show, Todd told Larry to not do it for obvious reasons. However, throughout the day... (laughs) Because I said so. (laughs) Throughout the day, Larry would keep bugging Todd about the spot, and eventually Todd caved and agreed to do the spot, but under one condition, that they needed to paint J.T. Smith tag partner, D.C. Drake, who was a white guy, with black paint, and then it would, in Todd's words, even an hour. That would make it worse. That's what's that makes it <laughs> worse. You made it worse. Well, Todd said it would even it out, so... <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it, it, whose idea was it to, to paint them both to make it better? Uh, well, I, 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 I can't remember if it was specifically just Todd's, but I think the agreement him and Larry came to was that, and Todd said, in quote, would even it out, was that they both came to that agreement that you have to paint... The white guy black to make it okay to paint the black guy white, which it's all fucked. It's all horrible. Yeah, it's some Huckleberry film yeah, logic. The, the company should have died right here. <laughs> really, it should. And they died. did it. They did. And they did. That's now, what. No, but that's no, but that's what they did, right? Like yeah. they they, so, they, well, they painted one well, white and one black. I'll show you what they did. Oh, okay, okay. They didn't. Oh, so they did something worse. They were like, all right, well, here's the best thing we can do to make us all happy. <laughs> but, and he was like, I'm still not fucking happy. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's let's leave with Larry did. Larry assured Todd that they would also hide black paint under the ring for the spot, so Todd agreed with the finish. When the time came for the big spot, however, Todd watched as they painted J.T. Smith white, but when they went to look for the pe- black paint under the ring, it was nowhere to be found. Dude, the petty fucking racist. I hate you so fucking much. You se- you seriously were like, it's not fair. I shouldn't have to paint a, wh- I shouldn't have to paint a white guy black. That's ridiculous. I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to. So you did it. Like, Jesus yeah, it's- Christ. Just to make your bad idea... God, dude. <laughs> yeah, fuck Larry Winters. Um, yeah, fuck him. <laughs> fuck this asshole. I'm glad that was the only night he got. I wish he was oh, yeah. fired before the night happened. Yeah, I should fired before. <laughs> Todd's not perfect either, but we'll get to that. Uh, Todd well, was no, f- because Todd was part of the reason the, the, the black paint on the white guy idea yeah. was born. He thought yeah. that was a good one. <laughs> well, he, he said he would even it out. If so. that had happened, Larry might still be working there. Yeah. <laughs> if Larry had just thrown black paint on a white guy, he might still have a job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was nowhere to be found. Todd was horrified and furious at Larry, and Larry was promptly removed from the bookers' position. Uh, Yeah, so that was how the first show goes. But uh, racist first main event angles aside, the early days of ECW saw a slow but steady growth as Todd attempted to recapture the local Philadelphia audience that had been burned by the sudden closure of TWA. He ran about a show a month holding uh, different shows and different events around Philly area, like mostly ex-TWA guys. But what Todd would do is he'd do what he was telling Joel to do. He would occasionally bring in one big-name talent to sell, sell out the shows. His first being Ivan Koloff. Uh, so, yeah, he brought in Ivan Koloff, and uh, Todd recounts in a shoot interview how there was a story how... Uh, I can't remember the wrestler he was facing, but, you know, he wanted to use Ivan to put over one of his local guys because he was going to be there every week, and Ivan wasn't. Sure. And uh, he talked about how cool of a guy Ivan was. He went to Ivan, talked about it, like, what do you want to do for the finish? And Ivan was like, oh, you want me to put him over? And he was like, oh, do, do, do you want to put him over? He's like, yeah, sure. Of course yeah. I do. Because he does what business. What am I here for? And he's a nice man. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the first ever ECW champion was another one of those big names. It was actually uh, famed murderer Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he would only hold the belt for less than 24 hours, however, before dropping it uh, to a local wrestler, an ex-TWA guy, Johnny Hotbody. Again, same idea as the thing with Koloff. He put over a local guy who's going to be there every week. Yeah. Um, fun, fun thing about the story, the rumor was that originally the Sandman was to become the first champ, but because Sandman was telling everyone and bragging about it in uh, the bars, uh, Todd made the switch to Hotbody. <laughs> Just wasn't professional enough 
For the precursor to ECW. <laughs> Todd tells him the shoot interview where he's just like, uh, someone came up to him and he was like, yeah, I heard that was going to be Sammy. He goes, well, that's funny because I didn't make a champion yet. Uh, and, and then he talked about how when he told Sammy, he's like, listen, bud, like, I can't make it the first champ. Everyone knows. i got to switch it up for, so the crowd would be surprised. And apparently Sandman was just like, ah, I'm going to kill that son of a bitch who told you or something like that. And it's like, yeah, it was his fault, Sandman, not you. It's like, Sandman, you told everybody. It should have been anybody. <laughs> you wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Todd made the switch and everything. So uh, Todd wanted to use a guy like Jimmy, uh, who he knew wouldn't be there every week, like I said, to help build up a local guy. However, uh, Snooker, not too long after this, would actually move to the East Coast. So he actually started doing ECW a little more regularly. It became his home promotion. So he quickly became the face of the early ECW shows and winning the title back. Uh, by November of 1992, ECW's local, local buzz and momentum reached the point where Todd had been approached by Sports Channel Philadelphia about submitting a pilot to be part of the programming block. Um, fun thing about Sports Channel, that's what it's called. It was called Sports Channel. Just Sports And that Channel. makes me laugh when I think about it. Um, there was Sports Channel, which became Prism, and then like there was some Comcast shenanigans and you know, all that crap. Yeah, at least, at least Sports <laughs> Channel is like self-explanatory. Yeah, right? I don't know what Prism is. Uh, Prism, uh, yeah, I don't know what that is either. Well, yeah, it's a Sports Channel, but I don't know why they call it Prism. Exactly. Um, corporate label. But yeah, I just I remember my dad telling me that as a kid, like, yeah, you watch all the sports channels, like sports channel, yeah, all right, sports channel. Anyway, that was the one. <laughs> it's, it's like when you buy an NES game, it was like the first hockey game it was called hockey, and you're like, oh, all right, yeah, because there's only one hockey, and when they make a second one, it's gonna be hockey too. Yeah, hockey too. <laughs> then they got, then they started getting names like Wayne Gretzky's yeah. hockey. It wasn't until hockey. Tommy Lasorda baseball. Oh, yeah, it was the hockey four when they figured out how to make the puck work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, what was it November of ninety? Uh, November twenty eighth, they filmed uh, ten matches with uh, Jay Suley and Stevie Wonderful in commentary for the pilot for Sports Channel. They ended up uh, cutting it down, editing it down, to and picked the four best matches, and they uh, Sports Channel liked it and struck a deal. Uh, by this time, when they started getting TV, uh, Eddie Gilbert uh, had started coming in and working for Todd. Uh, very quickly, uh, Eddie and Todd became close, and Eddie became the full time booker on the show. Um, creating a new top heel promotion, uh, Hot, Stuff, Hot Stuff International, which had all the top stars, in the, including Jimmy Snooker, who turned heel, and uh, Don Morocco. Um, so yeah, essentially, um, uh, Eddie Gilbert would just become the booker, immediately make himself champion, and put himself in the main event angle with, with all the top stars, and everyone else was crap. And it was fine. Everybody and it was liked fine. It. I, mean, I guess it was better than the racist angle. <laughs> hey, I'll take that over that any day. I'll watch Eddie Gilbert all day. <laughs> um, so during this time Eddie's time as Booker uh, he was good friends with Paul Heyman who was working at WCW and some other places uh, and he would bring Heyman in uh, to do some stuff to be, to be a manager um, and also I think he joined his Hot Stuff International group so he was a mouthpiece for that uh, and at, early on he was just there to just he was a talent and he would help guys with promos essentially um, by <laughs> so Funny thing is, by July of 93, it was reported in the newsletter that Eddie Gilbert had purchased 49% of ECW and became a minority shareholder. Um, however, this was not true. Uh, wow. Todd debunked this uh, in a shoot interview, and I think it had been debunked before that too, and said that uh, Eddie was always trying to work people. I'm sure he couldn't remember the exact moment that Eddie said he was going to do this, but he said he sure Eddie came to him and was like, hey, I'm just going to tell people we're related or partners. And he was like, yeah, sure, whatever, do it. So I think he just wanted to get one up on Meltzer. People would do that back then where they just like have a fake story, just be like, ha you posted something fake. Oh, uh, just to yeah. like just to just prove weird wrong. Petty shit. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. I love I love that misinformation for the sake of like <laughs> trolling Meltzer. Has just been... to be like, this is a rag shit, yeah. brother. The best uh, version of that, if anyone doesn't know the story, is uh, Macho Man Randy Savage working with an injured arm, pretending it wasn't injured, uh, and yeah. injuring it even more. <laughs> yes, I do remember that one. I mean, that was that was after Hogan ripped up the. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. This is this is a rag shit. Yeah. 
brother. <laughs> and then uh, Meltzer uh, was like, yeah, that's awesome. I got so many more subscribers from that. It's like, yeah, they totally spiked engagement. <laughs> free fucking Having ad. free ad by Hulk Hogan in front of all my people who read my, read my magazine. Like, it's fucking, fucking cool. Uh, so yeah, so they did TV for a little bit, and then by September of 93, ECW was officially inducted as a member of the National Wrestling Alliance. Todd felt that they were now they were on TV and being part of the NWA and advertising as such helped to give them a little more legit- legitimacy to the fans watching at home. This was coming at a price, however, by a couple days later on September 7th, Eddie would quit the company and, and uh, over the move to the NWA. Gilbert had a lot of heat with Jim Crockett Jr., who was one of the heads of the NWA and the NWA itself. Um, they just He was very distrustful of them. Uh, at this point, um, there was rumors that Jim Crockett was going to start this new promotion uh, and that it was written about in, in The Observer, which Todd denies, uh, so I'll, I'll take Todd's word for this at least, um, that Jim Crockett was going to start a new promotion in the Northeast and that Todd was going to run it and that I think they were going to dissolve ECW and essentially would use the talent from ECW but have a new name and be under NWA jurisdiction and all that crap. Um, Eddie thought that this was a power play by Todd to get him out of there and F him over. And, and very quickly after Eddie left, uh, Paul Heyman became the booker. Because by this point, Paul and Todd were really, really tight. And they were just like, yeah, it makes complete sense. Uh, uh, Todd was actually surprised that um, uh, Paul was free because he thought Paul was going to run the East Coast thing. He didn't, Todd mm-hmm. wasn't, at least he claims he wasn't involved in any of that. He thought Paul was going to run it. And Paul, uh, he knew this in hindsight, Paul... I don't think wanted to do the new thing with NWA. I think Paul really liked ECW and he kind of, that's how he got his way in. So yeah, he quickly became the booker of the show. Uh, And then, yeah, Eddie would not talk to Todd or, or um, Paul until unfortunately he passed away not too long after. Um, Yeah, I have a, I have a quote here from the observer talking about the whole situation. Uh, Just week, uh, just one week before the company's biggest show, the date Eastern championship wrestling owner, Todd Gordon and booker Eddie Gilbert have severed ties. Largely the split up described uh, by Gordon as amicable is because it appears Gordon is likely to become the Northeast Eastern Regional Promoter if slash when Jim Crockett Jr. starts up a promotion after his no-complete cause with WCW expires. So yeah, he talked about a little bit in the observer. Like, it was reported as if like that was happening. And like Gilbert at this point, you know, he was already a paranoid guy from being on the road and being a wrestler, uh, let alone like a little bit of his substance abuse issues help, didn't help with that. So he was just always on edge and yeah, was not happy with the whole thing. Yeah. Not a not a healthy work <laughs> relationship. Yeah, and unfortunately, like I have written here, like he would pass away about two short years later in '95 at the age of 33. Sad. It, 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 he was really cool, very really influential. Um, Todd talked about that his biggest contribution to ECW was just really helping uh, get the show off the ground and laying a good found ground groundwork for Paul Heyman to take over. So. And all this is led to the episode we're at today. The uh, first episode of 94 and the fallout from Holiday Hell Show on December 26, 1993. As of now, Paul Heyman has just taken over and we're about to see how he takes this company from uh, a little indie to the number three promotion in a couple of years. So, now, um, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if this is true. Mm. Um, this, this uh, So, when Gilbert was running ECW... Yes. Did, was ECW also still like this, uh, like their whole sort of shtick was we're an indie show and we're not the fed you know nah that came a little bit later with um that came a little bit later like there was some attitude there of like I'm sure there was some feelings in the audience of like because Todd talks a little bit in his interview how he was sick of the WWF and a lot of his fans were because they were doing like Doink the Clown and Make an ultimate warrior throw up on TV and shit like that with Papa Shango. Yeah. So he talked about they wanted like they definitely were had like a bloodbath style and like a little bit more hardcore, you know, and a little bit more aggressive like that. 
But the sentiment of like Paul Heyman coming up and be like, this isn't ECW, this, sorry, this isn't WCW, this isn't WWF, this is ECF and WWF, that never not really overtaken yet. It was still just like a small indie local to that area and they're just running shows and they're just they're like the little engine it could right now. They're yeah. just doing their thing and they got some fun stuff coming. Well, I will say the, the, the episode we watched, I definitely got a lot of, you know, we, we, we aren't WWF, we aren't WCW. It's funny so you mentioned like, that. Yeah, so like I, I, I do wonder like how much of that was present in the show before Paul comes on. It's, I, I am also curious with that. If I can find episodes of 93, I will definitely go back and let you know and I'll send it to you if you want to look at it yourself. Um, yeah. Don't know for sure. Uh, based on like some like reports I've read on the Observer and like some interviews like that, um, it sounded like a big complaint about the fans was the wrestling was pretty good and there was some good stuff, but it became the Eddie Gilbert show after a while. Like yeah. Eddie, Eddie essentially like idolized Jerry Lawler in Memphis, and so he wanted to basically be Jerry Lawler. So for example, while he was in Philly. He became world champion, crowned himself the king of Philadelphia, would shoot vignettes of him. Like, <laughs> Those are really yeah. like Jerry Oh, Lawler. yeah, yeah. Okay. He would film like vignettes of him in like a nightclub on South Street, like, like a crown on and no one knew who the fuck he was because he's so charismatic. He would like get all these people and everything. Yeah. And so, yeah, he basically really just wanted to be Jerry Lawler and have his own promotion. And unfortunately, it just didn't happen that way for him. Yeah, so. no. Just became a Jeff Jarrett instead. Yeah. You know? Well, I guess Jeff Jarrett. Uh, well, Jeff didn't die, and he actually did start his own thing. That's so. true. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff did live. Yeah. And that man also had a lot of issues, so I'm very happy he made it on the other side of that. Yeah, good for you, Jeff. But yeah, shout out to Jeff Jarrett. I'm sure we'll get to him eventually. <laughs> yeah, when we, when, when we finish ECW, we start our TNA one, of course. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, our special Jeff Jarrett. But we talked about Vince Russo and Midget jacking off into a garbage can. Um, but yeah, so... Episode one, ECW. Well, I guess the episode isn't episode one, but for us, it's episode one. Right. Uh, January fourth, nineteen ninety-four. Um, Maddie is in the house, Tyler. Maddie in the house, and he is not sorry. No, he is not. Not this time. Not this, uh, not this time. Not, not to spoil what comes ahead, but <laughs> yeah, Maddie. Well, Maddie, he shows up and he's not sorry, and I don't get it. <laughs> I what? I was so in the second I saw this motherfucker. He was like, yo. Maddie's in the house. I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> I love his delivery. I think it's really fun. I love his I'm not sorry gimmick. <laughs> it's it's very it's it's very, you know, on brand for the time and on brand for the show. I don't understand the name though. Maddie in the house. Maddie in the house. It's it get, it's it's so much like a Disney Channel original it show. It does have a little bit of a Disney Channel show, but I think that's partially because we just have the hindsight of growing up on that and this was still 94 and Yeah, perhaps, like, but like I don't know. I was a silly. kid. I was a kid like, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s. That's too far off. You know, yeah, that's what I mean. Like I'm just saying that like it's a little juvenile. <laughs> it's a little ju- oh, the old character's a little juvenile. Yeah, well, yeah. Like I have, I want to, I want to read off this because I think it's important because we'll have a nice book in at the end of the show about this. Uh, this is what he, he said: Maddie's in the house. Now this ain't no Howard Stern forty-hour pay-per-view ripoff. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't like the program you've been watching, well then I'm sorry. Yeah, that, I'm sorry. That's, that's I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> That's how we start the show. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm not sorry. I like the camera. Like, I love the camera 
working too. It like kind of zooms in on him and like twists exactly. with his head. Yeah. Like there's so many cool like shots with this show. And, it's like, very nineties. It's yeah. incredibly nineties. Big and fan it, of and it. And it aged very well. Like no, it does come come across really well. I do think the content of what he's saying is a little funny. Well, like, well, so, so, like, one, like, obviously, it's a little carny to be like, oh, hey, dude, here's my t-shirt. It's the golden ticket. Oh, I want yeah. oh, to watch it. You know? But also... I, I would advise against when you're when you're promoting your product that you want people to, look at, to sell, you know, don't call it not a ripoff. Don't don't say the words definitely not a ripoff well, because you know, that makes people think. Is it? <laughs> well, when people tune in and see that guy going, I'm not sorry. Part of me thinks you're trying to sell me some shit here right now. So, you're trying to you know, sell Which may be the wrong guy to sell your shit. Then you know, That's I mean, fair. we have a few guys selling shit throughout this show, and yeah. like he. And Matty, he's not the worst, but he's not the best. He, <laughs> is, not the best? The, he is not the best salesperson on this show. All right, all right. Not by a, not by a stretch. Well, we'll get to the better salesperson. <laughs> so, yeah, he does his whole thing, plugs the upcoming show, um, talks about you get half off the next show if you bring in your Holiday Hell t-shirt. That's right. You don't even have Big to have deal. a t-shirt. You could just have, have the ticket stuff. You could have the ticket stuff. You could have the receipt. Yeah. Could, as long as you prove that that shirt's in the mail, you have half off. As long as Matthew sees some sort of proof of purchase, you get in. <laughs> so yeah, so we get the opening here. Uh, uses a song called I Stand Alone by Jackal. Yeah, and it's a, uh, it's a banger too. It's a banger fucking song. They use um, it for the intro and the outro, so, and it works nice. So I want to read off my notes here because I think it really encapsulates how I felt watching the intro. So I did the opening is just Sabu clips from SMW. It's just Sabu flipping for about a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just talking about like I really thought it fucking ruled uh, the 3D graphics popping up and saying Easter Championship Wrestling over and over again was really funny. Yeah. Um, if, I, if I could step in a little oh, yeah, please, second. Please, please. Yeah, you mentioned how like they show Sabu f- flipping over and over again. <laughs> the first thing they show <laughs> is Sabu. <laughs> Doing a moonsault onto a table with no one on it. The greatest gimmick of all time. And the table doesn't break. The greatest gimmick of all time. <laughs> I go to. And we'll get into this more as we talk more about Sabu. Yeah, she's, we will. She's important to the so, show. It's the Sabu show. Yeah, it is. But like, as somebody who's coming into this, and I know who Sabu is. You know, I already know. I'm trying to think of. So, I'm trying to also think like somebody who does not know who Sabu mm. is. And I feel like if you do not know who Sabu is. This show did not do a great job at selling them for you, man. Like he did not. Like I understand his whole well, gimmick is he's a, he's a crazy. Like I get that, but like they did not play that up enough on this episode. That's fair. On, on That's fair. <laughs> I thought in the um, we'll get to it, in the montages and yeah. like that. But yeah, uh, some of the highlights of the intro: uh, Kevin Sullivan's hog, uh, Jason the sexiest man alive. I love him. He's my favorite man ever. Um, yeah, Shane Douglas in there, some random legends in there. At one point, I wrote, uh, this is going on for way too long. They're yes. Playing, they're, I, they're playing the whole song. What's the guy the guitar also, solo? Yeah. I was like, all right, guys, come I also, on. Yeah, can I please talk yeah, about this? Yeah, please, please. Because this, because this intro is so interesting to me, because it was very interestingly edited in a way that was engaging, like, mm. in a way that I don't really see a lot anymore. Like, it had a lot of corny, like... You know, take a clip that plays to the song, and yeah. I really like those. Yes. You know, I really like the Friends intro when Chandler goes ba 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 ba. You know, yeah. it's great. And they had a couple great moments like that. Like they had a moment where um, I don't know who it was. He kind of looked like Maddie in the house, but it's just like this long hair. Yeah, it was it was Maddie in the house. Yeah. Brock into the song. But at yeah. one point he goes yeah yeah, yeah and, yeah, and yeah. it plays along with the song. <laughs> I thought that was great. You know, Maddie you know? demanded that to be in there. Yeah, of course. I felt like maybe the intro should have ended a few seconds after that. Yes. <laughs> because it definitely reaches the peak. Yeah. And then just fucking... That's when it like lost my interest. Yeah, but I was like, oh god, it's still gone. Honestly, if the whole intro just would have been Sabu clips and then Maddie going, yeah, I would be like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, by the time the guitar solo shows up, I'm getting tired. I'm like, all right, let's let's wrap this up here. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, it ends thankfully. Um, I wrote down "love the dorkly." Don't know what that means. The dorkly. Don't know what that means. Uh, I think I was trying to type out. I love how dorky uh, uh, Joey Styles is, but I just wrote "love the dorkly." Don't know what that means. Dork Lee. Oh, Dork Lee. Like, uh... Yeah, like D- D-O-R-K-L-Y. I think, I that's, I think that's a webcomic site. Oh, Dork maybe. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, maybe it is. But we, we, this is not uh, under... not promoting Dork Lee. No. Um, but yeah, we got, we got the Joey Styles live from the ECW Control Center. That's totally not Paul Heyman's mom's basement. Correct. Uh, Joey, uh, I really like this. Um... I, obviously, we picked a really funny time to start because we basically got like a clip show. We basically got like a recap yeah. of the year episode, which I think is really funny to be a first episode to start on. Yeah. Um, but it helped because I really like this whole idea of like Joey sitting down, having a TV monitor next to him, matches playing, and him going over like, hey, here are the main players. Here's what the story is, what's going on. And we get two different uh, montages at the show of. Uh, of the two main players, which for the match they're promoting upcoming on the Friday, uh, Terry Funk and Shane Douglas, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Just to, just to be clear, what we're talking about here, you know, this show wasn't like your typical Raw or whatever, no. where there's just you know live angles and promos being held. This was, yeah, it was Joey Styles sitting in front of a camera giving context to a bunch of clips that served as a build for a pay-per-view coming up yes, on, they're on really Friday. Yes, pu- they're really pushing this upcoming show on the Friday. Um, I can't remember, I don't think they have like a special name for it. I think it's just like the upcoming show. Yeah, I didn't catch that either. Which it might be in my notes a, somewhere. A ding against them. I got, if, uh, <laughs> it didn't come through on us. Oh, I was paying attention. I'm sorry, I wrote it in all caps. Super Summer Sizzler. Super Summer Sizzler, yeah. They needed to say that le- name a little more. And if, they mean, don't, if they don't like saying the name, they should change it. I'm sorry, Super Summer Sizzler was... A an event that already happened that Terry Funk was in. I still don't know the name of this upcoming show. Me neither. But yeah. Me neither. But so, yeah, uh, I when Joey Styles came on, uh, it he makes it work. I think. Dude, I think Joey Styles is. The I thought I wouldn't like why this format works. I I don't know how I'll feel about him going forward. Maybe but later. So but far, I think he's a gem. Big fan. Yep. I think he is. Hundred percent. He makes this work. Yep. Like, otherwise, it's just a. It, it, it's just kind of a, an intel, unintelligible clip show. Yep. You know, like he makes it into a build. Hundred um, percent. He really is the like the, he. he and, really, his, and the thing that makes him really great mm. is that he's a foil to the rest of the yep, show. Yep, hundred percent. He serves as like the kind of professionalism and structure yep. that all of the other workers can rebel against. All the other wrestlers can be like, yeah, you're the you know the buttoned up you know proper guy, and I'm crazy. It helps you know? build the kayfabe up of like this is a legitimate organization, and they have people working here who want it to be treated like a serious sport. But then there's the crazy people, right? right. You know. You got Maddie doing his crazy promoter, and then later on we'll have Paul Heyman cutting a promo on him and shit like that, and, and, and Jason. Yeah. And oh, it's so Jason. important to have that air of professionalism, even though you are a company that's all about the debauchery, uh, because exactly that, like the debauchery doesn't mean anything if there's no like status quo to rebel against. You know, Joey sure. Styles makes a great nerd, <laughs> great nerd, and great promoter. Um, I really liked how he hyped up this uh, this upcoming Funk versus. Um, uh, Shane Douglas match. I love the way he just says like youth. Uh, it's experience versus youth. Speed versus savvy. Like I like these little lines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we get to a Terry Funk montage. Um, it shows a lot of different stuff that happens. Uh, the first thing being like him getting interviewed in the first episode of ECW. Um, it cuts to stuff like um, <laughs> I wrote down Terry Funk doing a story about being old in 1993. is hilarious. <laughs> I, I was I was just about to, to, to bring that up. I, or rather it was one of the first things I want to bring up about this whole thing. Pretty much the first thing he says in this, I'm like, old. is, 
I'm old and I'm like, <laughs> Jesus fucking My Christ. My knees don't work so good. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> it is 93. It is going to be Motherfucker 94. Motherfucker is going to be on an East Day pay-per-view in 2007. And this is and and this was a rough start for me as a time traveler watching UCW. <laughs> because if I want to watch an old man, Terry Funk, try to, st- try to show he still has it, I can watch an older Terry Funk <laughs> whose knees are worse, <laughs> whose eyes don't work even Worse, like he's still fucking man. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he's still great. He's still great. <laughs> but but yeah, it was it was funny to see uh, two and a half, like yeah, three decades ago. <laughs> this I, guy is still old. <laughs> I did also want to comment on the. Uh, it's just so funny how low rent a lot of this stuff is. Like, um, it cuts to Terry, and like Terry's in like this like fucking gymnasium, and there's like twenty people there. Yeah, <laughs> and like Terry fucks cut this promo, and I'm like mesmerized. I'm like. Oh yeah, yeah, Terry, I believe you. And then like these people just like it just but you look in the background it looks so fucking low rent, but Terry's just like See I did not I was not mesmerized by that promo so much. Maybe it was because of the low rent setting. Uh, that's fair. I was mesmerized by the low rent setting, I will say. Like the rest <laughs> of the room I was paying attention to, yeah. But but Terry himself, yeah. And again, a little unfair. I'm a time traveler. That's fair. You know? that's fair. <laughs> um some highlights I wrote down, like I said, Super Summer Sizzler, that's a great name. Uh, Terry Funk and Stan fucking Hansen teaming up. That's awesome. Um, I have to find that match and watch it forever. Um, yeah, like, it, the whole montage just shows off what's happening with Terry in 93. I can just do a quick rundown with it. Like, essentially, Terry comes into the company, um, wants to be like, I'm not an old man anymore. Um, and then, like, doesn't win the title. And so he, fa- he, he decides to bring on a protege. He brings on um, uh, JT Smith, who's a wrestler we mentioned earlier, in a much better position now. Um, and the Sandman. And, well, it's uh, also important to note, right, at the beginning of all this, he wins the NWA TV title in this cage match, right? I, don't, does, I thought he, uh, oh, does he win the belt in the I match? believe he wins the belt in that match. Okay, yes, okay. In that beginning. Uh, yes, yes, okay. I, yeah, and, then, and then he, <laughs> the bump he takes when he falls off the cage, he somehow wraps his head around a chair. And watching it, I was like, how did you do that? <laughs> like, he, like, takes, like, this little old man bump off and he, like, rolls, like, combat rolls into a chair and like it's like hooked around like a necklace i, I want to talk about that 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 win for a second because i know i'm watching this clip out of context but it was confusing to me mm. it was confusing to me first off they're doing the stupid and this is just personal preference but they're doing a stupid escape the cage <laughs> boo lame but he does it anyway no, sure like whatever but then after he wins he just starts throwing chairs so, into the ring, and he attacks the cameraman, and then the commentator's just like, what a temper. There's <laughs> like, a reason why Stevie Wonderful doesn't last very long as a commentator. <laughs> um, Paul Heyman, literally, this is a story I'll tell later, but like Paul Heyman basically comes in and be like, hey, that guy's fucking, I'm done. I'll be commentary. <laughs> that guy is a wet bag. He is ice. Ice. <laughs> he fucking sucks. He will cool anything to a fucking simmer. So I think... Uh, and I don't think the show did a good job telling this story. I got most of the context I'm about to give you through like interviews and reading stuff. Is um, the story they were trying to tell? I think was Terry. The bell was making him go crazy, um, and so like just being, just trying to stay on top and staying the champion was making him nuts. And then when he loses it, um, that's why he turns on like he, he he does the whole route of like he kind of fakes you out where he's like, oh, I'll just be the happy old man. I'll take on a protege. My, my, my good years are, are behind me, you know? And then he turns on him and he's like, no, oh, God damn it. I'm still got this. And okay. the whole time he's feuding with, um, at the po- this point is the dangerous Alliance, which is uh, left over from hot stuff's group, which is a group that, uh, Paul Heyman had at WCW. This is like the ECW chapter of it, which has him, Sabu, nine one one, um, uh, Shane Douglas, uh, 
and uh, Sensational Sherry at the time is Shane Douglas' manager. Later yeah. on, it'd be Francine, but for now, it's Sensational Sherry. Um, and essentially, uh, during this, we'll find out uh, that Paul actually gifts Sherry as like a manager to Shane, and they become like an evil group together. And they're basically feuding. So it eventually leads to... I kind of lose my, my spot here a little bit. It eventually leads to... Well, like, yeah, we, we, can, we can back this up a little bit. Yeah. So the thing that you said in the beginning that interested me was that... Um, Terry Funk's uh, title reign was making him go crazy. Yes, um, that that mechanism I don't think was very well communicated in the, this episode. It was not. But no. I did get the I did well, the story that I got, and it's it's close to the actual story they're telling. It mm. sounds like, um, but it's a little broader, strokey. The 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 story that I got was uh, you know Terry Funk did that promo where he's like. You know, and I, I thought it was kind of a, a bad Is this promo. the one with the belt or the one from the first one? This was the one for the TV, with the TV With title. the belt. So I, I just, I had a note about it being like, Terry Funk holding one of the ugliest looking belts I've ever seen. Uh, and he makes me believe it's so important to him. <laughs> See, what, what I believed was it, it, it wasn't important to him. Mm. See, what I believed was, what, what I got from that promo was, um, yeah, it was a good heel promo. I thought yeah. and it was a very good heel promo because because he he was like you know this belt it means just as much to me as the WWF or WCW which is really just a flowery <laughs> way of saying this belt isn't as important as those belts but I am just as important like as WCW and WWF like I am bringing oh, that man. prestige to this belt that's great yeah exactly and like I like the, and like the way I read and the, the other thing he said in his promo was was that he was he was an old man and. It, this is the right way for him to end his career, or the right way for him to. Yes, like, he was it, super on the whole like it was going for, out. Like it, it was he, the word he used, I believe, was dignified or yes. dignity. And the way I read that is like me, th- like you know, believing he's a heel, which I also have a little comment. Like he is a heel in the story. Yes, but um, which is weird because like everyone seems to be a heel in the story. Yeah, that's another thing. As we'll talk. That's about. why I got a little mess, yeah, we'll, messy there. We'll t- we'll talk about that later <laughs> because I also find that to be an issue. <laughs> but um, but uh. I think I have an explanation for that, but yeah, we'll get to that. Well, what was I saying though? I was saying about Terry like wanting to go out with dignifying. Oh yeah, I took that as entitlement though. Mm -hmm. Like he's like, I deserve to be to to be this Mm -hmm. champion because I'm a veteran. I've been around, and the whole tenet of ECW is that like, no, the new (laughs) the new is king now. You know, the young are taking over. Like you know, and not not just the young, but the counter. You know, like the whole like opposite of the status quo. For sure. So him bringing that in onto an ECW show and saying like all that, like it, it, it felt like a really good beginning to a heel run to, for, for me um i didn't get that like he was supposed to like because because the problem i have with that story is that like what does ecw care about like a mentor figure they don't want a mentor like they're not interested in a veteran telling you what you should do like that's, yeah. that's not really like that seems antithetical to the show well it seems like they did it for one week at least so they just, terry just kind of teasing like oh i'll be out i'll sure. out and then just fucking <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe a booking editing note you can cut the fact because they all i don't you think the, cut the fact. i don't think the audience would be bu- would be bought in to this mentor figure i don't think the audience would be bought into like oh my god this 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 veteran who, who he worked at wcw and now he's here wow yeah. he, you know he could really show us a thing or two like no i mean like we, i think they could immediately be on board with him being like an asshole who thinks he like knows better than everybody and he quickly did yeah um oh fucking highlight of one of these is uh i knew this already but it's crazy to watch did you know that the sandman was originally just a surfer <laughs> no that's his gimmick 
No, is that why? That's why he's wearing the weird jumpsuit. And that's why Jason said what he said. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I did not know what that. And that's line why meant. Paul Heyman had a really weird line that I'll get to later. But yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's a surfer. He's the Sand Man. Oh my God. Yes. That's why he's a beach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's why he came from the surfboard. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like just like fucking Steve O with twenty packs of cigarettes. Like. <laughs> He yells cowabunga before crashing a, a beer against his head until he bleeds. It was unbelievable, like, it, it, it has to be a Jersey Shore surfer, because it was unbelievable California surfer I've ever fucking watched. Like, he has that promo yeah. layer, he's like, yeah, bro. Was, yeah, bro. Like, I've heard that so many times in my life. No. Um, at one point, Joey yells, I'm confused, and I wrote, me too, Joey. I don't even know what that's referenced to, but I was... <laughs> Joey um, was just confused at one point in the show. So yeah, let me see. Uh, we get to Terry turns on his protege. Uh, oh yeah, then they show highlights of uh, Terry losing his belt to Sabu in that match, which um, I really wish we would have just gotten the whole match. I kind of get why because they want to sell the tape or whatever, but like just watching the highlights of the match, like the beginning, they showed like the first about like three and a half, four minutes of the match, and it was just like old school heel face stuff of like Terry running away. And I was just like so in. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm waiting for like a 20 minute classic right now. And then it cut and they did more stuff. And it's like, I, I got to see the highlights or whatever, but you know, I want to see, I want to see the, 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 the match, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, what was the other thing? They had um, do that. And then eventually, uh, where is it? They have the, yes. So Sabu, um, Ends up uh, getting screwed out of this match. Um, the lights go out. They do this weird thing where like the lights go out and then the lights come back on and Shane Douglas is there and then the lights go out again. And the lights come oh yeah, back hang on. on. Let's 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 try to like like paint the scene here. So like okay, so we have we have this uh, this for the the first match right where where Terry Funk wins. He becomes the NWA champion and mm. it's great or whatever. Yeah. And then we see a couple clips of him like becoming heelish. Yes. Like he does some like dirty stuff. Going crazy. With, he has yeah. one where he, he chokes Joey. I'm like, please let go of Joey. Yeah, like like yeah, exactly. He's a he's a He's really red. He 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 screws over or he works with um uh, the franchise uh, Shane Douglas in at least <laughs> one. The fucking which, which is not a great gimmick in my opinion, but you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm very curious. Yeah, he's just the guy. <laughs> but I, I also don't think I like the franchise Shane Douglas, but we'll get to that cuz yeah. I know that's a kind of a controversial like Either like him or you don't, kind of guy. Yeah, but after like well establishing himself as a heel, yeah, he has his match with Sabu uh, for the NWA Championship, and yeah, this is the match that the show only showed the ending of. Right, it was just like yes. there was just like this terrible. Well, there was, I think there was there was two matches they showed. I think they showed the one where Terry loses the belt. And then one where he gains it back from Sabu. Because this is the one where Sabu yeah. beats him for the belt. And then later on they show... Well, the one that where he beats him for the belt, that's the one where they only show the end, right? That's yes. That's the one where it cut, that Isn't that the one where it cuts the black? Yes, or is yes, that... yes. Sorry, I got ahead of myself saying that. Yeah, the one we're at right now is Sabu just beating him for the belt. Yeah. yeah. So, so I wanted to... So what I wanted to talk about was... They do that. They do the shitty like you know roll up pen. They ex they exchange a little bit, and that's like the fucking finish. And honestly, it looks like shit. But like, <laughs> you know, Sabu wins. That's the match where like fucking where Terry Funk is like up in the rafters and he's yes! like, trashing. Yeah, yeah, can we talk about that? Because that's important. That was horrible. <laughs> that was awful. Yeah, like, he just like he was just having a senior moment. You know, he was just like kind of like throwing shit and. It was it was it was, it was bizarre, and also the show didn't know what to do. Like the, like he the was, camera had to like zoom back out, get up there. The poor guy running the spotlight kept missing him. That's what I wanted to say. This like, there was a guy with a spotlight on Terry Funk. 
Terry Funk is doing something. It's not clear I to the audience what he's doing. I think he's trying to sell that he's crazy. And that he's just going... See, this is an important context to have then. Because, like... And this is and this would make sense for the ECW crowd. Because I'm like a senile old man. Yeah. Like, that would play well for, mm-hmm. the, for, for that whole audience. But, like... But for me, without that context, I'm watching him just, like, pick up this trash can or... Or giant coffee thermos, or <laughs> nuclear warhead. I don't know what this giant metal yeah, object I think, I think is it's just a trash can. that he's so enamored with, but he's trying to like throw it over the, oh, ramp, you know the railing or something. Maybe there's like cameras. He, he's he's fucking with it, and then he like leaves, and he grabs like a chair, and now he's fucking with the chair, and <laughs> the the guy doing the spotlight, he gets so bored because nothing because <laughs> nothing's happening, and this is bad for the show. And Sabu, assume, assumedly, is doing something more interesting, yeah. and the light changes but the camera doesn't go with yeah, it the camera yeah. is fixed on a dark shot of terry funk fucking with it with just it, it's like bad indistinguishable objects yeah it was really shitty and like <laughs> i couldn't tell what was happening <laughs> yeah that uh I, I think i was so like just like confused by that i don't think i took a note for that i was just like all right i couldn't stop taking notes for that because <laughs> it, was bad. it was it was very bad and they kept it in a clip show yeah it was a clip it went show on way too long. you could you you include anything you want. You only include the moments that make sense by themselves with the little context that Joey Styles provides. Yeah. That didn't make sense at all, even for the people who were there. <laughs> there were there were many times in the show where like they're very clearly like padding out runtime, and that was one of them. And it's like you really could have cut the fat there, but oh yeah, and then and then to top it all off, to top it all off, Terry Funk takes the ittiest, whittle bittiest chair shot I've ever seen my it's so bad that they cut the audio right before it so you can't hear the pathetic tapping of the, oh, the steel man. against him it, it it sucked it was and, and, and Dude, it, presumably Storm, he falls over and dies Dude, Lance, Lance, Lance Storm ends. would think that was bad too. Lance Storm would even think it's a bad chair shot like. yeah even Lance Storm would be like dude you really could have put in some muscle, on, muscle that. on that you really could have put in some heat on that see it's Terry, Terry has a senior moment, and then uh, we get introduced <laughs> to Terry and his few good men. Yes, uh, the few who are good Axel men. and Ian Rotten. Yeah, do not recognize these two. Uh, I, I recognize but they seem nasty to me. They seem very so nasty. So Axel Rotten ended up being in that group with Balls Mahoney with the, the chair swinging freaks. Those guys. Uh, um, wait, are these two not the nasty boys? I thought no. they were the nasty <laughs> boys. I saw these. I saw these two carny like. They could be sons of nasty boys for sure. Yeah, because uh, or later in the show they call them something that they call them the Rotten Brothers or something like that. They like, are rotten right? the rest of is rotten <laughs> it's actually it's actually one of you rotten they were like some sort of clone of the nasty boys no some no weird like no. i don't know what they Axel were. rotten's the blonde one Ian rotten's the one with the short like kind of orangey hair um yeah there's just few good men uh, i wrote down terry's few good men kidnapped someone uh the return yeah. of the funk's grill which i guess is terry funk town hall where he just sits there and yells yeah i didn't um, know what that was the- paul, paul <laughs> Heyman came, uh, he was trying to get a match with sabu paul Heyman came out and said and i quote i never liked you I never liked your brother. And your father didn't die in his arm. I'm oh, sorry, in your arms. He saw that his son was a stinking pile of Texas shit, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> now, I would love to talk about this promo because I think you're expressing some confusion to the content of yeah, this. What yeah. is he talking about? Who died in whose arm? Like, what, are you, what are you referring to? <laughs> he tried to insult him by saying, uh, he said, I never liked you. I never liked your brother. And your father didn't die in your arms. He saw that his son was a stinking piece of Texas shit. You son of a bitch. You stinking son of a bitch. Yeah. Now, I want to call back to I want to uh-huh. go back 
go in depth. Break that down there. I want to break it down a little bit because it shows how good of a showman Paul Heyman. Oh, he's awesome. He's a very good showman. I took he, it like whoa, but like if you look at the words, yeah. He's a he's a good showman. Yeah, like this this. He has another line later that I wrote down. It's also confusing, but he, he delivered it amazingly. So well, I, like, yeah, sure. I will talk about. I will I will contrast this moment to a later moment that he does. This mm-hmm. moment I think is one of his better moments on the show. Yes, I agree. It's better. And than I think because I think one of his biggest strengths as a performer is he's very good at crowd work. He's, yes. He's very good at recognizing crowd reaction and playing to it. And this is an example of him doing that. In this promo, the the big line that he was building to was actually, uh, I never liked you, I never liked your brother, your father died like a son, like a stinking piece of Texas shit. That was what was supposed to be the line. But that's not what he ended up landing on because wow. because he got the promo or right. he got the promo over too early earlier on because he comes out really hot and who does he call, call stinking son of a bitch? It, it was it'd be Funk or it'd be one of the Rottens. It was it was I, I have this written down. Hang on, hang, hang, Paul Heyman interjects, calling him a stinking son of a beef. Yeah, so he calls Funk a stinking son of a bitch. And the crowd goes nuts. And this is a really great moment where he's like, oh, I, I, I got a pop. Mm-hmm. So he stays in this moment by repeating it. You know, yes. he, says, he says it again, you stinking son of a bitch. And then later in the promo, when he gets to this moment at the end of it, where he's like, your father is a stinking piece of, uh, piece of Texas shit. Because he already got that pop earlier, he calls back to that moment. <laughs> he, instead of ending on stage, he kind of puts a hat on a hat. By putting another insult right after an insult he just said. But it works because it reminds the crowd of the moment that just happened where we all cheered, you know? Yeah, like it, for sure. I, 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 re- I really was impressed by this as, 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 a, as kind of like thinking quick on his feet, you know? I really do think that line, your father died like a son, like a stinking piece of Texas shit, would have been kind of flat if he didn't, you know, tie it Yeah, I think I just must have, like, misquoted him and misheard it, because, like, for me, it was confusing, because it doesn't sound like, it sounds like ramblings. Like, I wrote, I never liked you, I never liked your brother, and your father didn't (laughs) die in your arms, he saw that his son was a stinking piece of Texas shit. I missed the son stinking part. Like, I didn't get the sun part. Oh, I want to, I want to be clear, oh, yeah, um, I want to be clear, maybe I took down the content a little poorly maybe because we seem to have a disagreement on what was said that's why i was mostly confused by uh you're 100 right in the whole like his showmanship and bringing back the son of a bitch thing that's great um i was just conf- that line makes way more sense than what he said in my context well, i was I, just like i didn't look up like i said i want to keep myself fresh i didn't want to be the guy that had the research with me but based on this line what i thought he was saying was that his brother was also dead and no, died, Dory Funk is very much like alive. Okay, so like, see, I have no yeah. idea what he's talking about. And to your point, yes, content-wise, this is fucking rambling. Yeah. This is just ranting. <laughs> this is so, like... That's how the rock got over. I can't... Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, really. And, like, it works. Like, I'm not even saying it's a bad thing, because yeah. what I'm trying to comment on is the, uh, the crowd reaction. Whether or not the crowd understands it or not, who knows? I will never be able to know. But what I can tell is that they like it. They really liked when he called him a stinking son of a bitch, Definitely. and he stuck to it, and that's and that's what it's all about, you know. You have a, you have a, a rant, you know. It, whether or not your message gets across, you know, well, 
it's that's up to the show. But what's important is that you get a hot reaction. You know, as a performer, your job is to get the crowd hot. You know. Yeah, and then so Heyman says this line, and then it hard cuts to Joey Styles, and he just completely buries George Foreman. He's just like, oh, Terry Funk wrestling in this age, better than it's just a line about George Foreman stuff. That was completely lost. Yeah. Completely yeah. lost that, on me. What happened what, with George Foreman recently? I, I think at the time it was when he was making those comebacks, and I remember he won the heavyweight title at like age fifty or something like that. But I think at this point he probably lost it or something. It's gonna be one of those things we're gonna come across a lot in the show maybe I'll do a little more research on it where like they're just gonna have pop culture references like that we're exactly like, and we're yeah. gonna be like what the fuck like, like, George Foreman the grill guy <laughs> what yeah. did he do um, after that they show a nice little segment uh, showing off uh, the varsity uh, the, the variety club uh, which is a charity for disabled kids uh, Todd was actually a um, one of the the, the chair head at the uh, Philadelphia chapter so they immediately became a sponsor for them and they did free shows for kids and all that stuff which is always nice nice little thing um, call the hotlines. Get all the hot news on the hotlines. We, we got a lot of phone numbers that Dude, we can call. Who, you don't need the fucking observer, motherfucker. You need to call this number so that Matt the Mac can be like, "Yo, yeah, we'll I heard Sabu what. went over." <laughs> and it's, it's going to be, for, it's, and you spend hundred dollars. Sabu's <laughs> going over tonight. I heard he might wear the green trunks. <laughs> <laughs> so get all the hot news. Uh, back to Maddie in the house. Joey does a amazing impression of Matt. Uh, Maddie in the house. I thought you did a great job with it. Oh, I'm sorry. Dude, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You know, before we before we talk, get, get into this, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this is just we'll figure out format for the show yeah, yeah, as yeah. we go. But like, this is the first commercial break for me. This is a point of reflection for me. Mm. Uh, I just wanted to say that, like, here, what what do I have here? Into my my the way the characters to me are presented. Sabu right now is a gigantic victim. Mm-hmm. You know he seems to just be on the receiving end of Terry Funk's cruelty like, over and over again. Um, Terry is put over as a threat yes. for me. Uh, yeah, he does cheat. He is he is kind of a you know a pissy rule breaker, but he does win too. He, yeah, he, he, does. he wins very legitimately in the he's center got the of the ring. Hold. Exactly, he's got the spinning toe hold. He's got the yeah. Um, and we also know, uh, we know a little more context. We know Terry has blood with Sabu beyond this title feud that's coming up this Friday. You know, we have a prior conflict that we're, like, calling on. Uh, and we know he has history with Shane Douglas as well. Yes. You know, so, so which is what the match is actually about. To be clear, like, the match that we're really trying to sell for this upcoming Friday is Shane Douglas, the, the franchise, versus the champion Terry Funk, uh, yes. the champion. And that's, and <laughs> the, the old they, man. And then to the commercials, they get to that. Um, they get to the big... Probably the most wrestling we'll get on the show, which is... The oh, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I don't know. Okay, what's to up? interrupt again. I just, want, I just wanted to say how uh, how effective this the, the build was so far. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I really do feel like... Because, like, th- this, initial, this initial series of clips, it showed the Terry Funk uh, promo that was talking about how he deserves his belt at this point in his career and how this is the company he chooses to work in. And it also showed just all the, you know, all the chicanery that he was pulling off, like, with other people in the company and shit. And it shows him losing the belt with Sabu. I think it just did a very good job at giving a lot of context without necessarily, like, spoon-feeding it. It, it was very much like, I don't know, like, here's, here's what happened, and it's kind of, like, up to you to understand what was going on. Now, to that point, I felt like it failed a little bit because... According to you, there are certain aspects of the story that just like did not make it into this build. It doesn't. At least for me, I got a lot of my context through, and maybe you got it and I didn't. I don't know. Like I, I got a, a context through just like Todd's re- reminiscing about the story and uh, reading the Observer because like Dave flat out calls it. Yeah, Terry's playing a crazy old man character, you know, something like that. Yeah, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say then is, is that just. Uh, 
I don't know the 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 video pack, the clip show part of it, it. It did really well. I actually think like the compilation, the sum the sum of its parts was was it was greater than the sum of its parts. Is what I'm trying to say. The individual moments in the in the clips I felt were often lackluster. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like some of them, like the finish to the fucking you know when 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 Funk dropped the belt to uh, Sabu, I thought was lame as shit. Yeah, I thought it didn't really work well. And, but I but I thought that moment was kind of like you know it was kind of waved over because it wasn't really important. We were trying to yeah, try to get, try to get to where we're getting. We're paying yeah. attention to the greater content. And they showed the yeah. better match at the two later on. Yeah, true. And they yeah. did a good job picking and choosing what they wanted to show as well. I was really impressed with, by this first like segment though. It didn't convince me to like go to the show, but I probably would have you know kept watching like, sure. after the commercial yeah. break. I, Definitely. I, you know. I, but yeah. Would have bought a t-shirt. But then we. <laughs> but then we cut back. And Joey does a great impression of Matt. I thought he did a great job. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now he's got me doing it. <laughs> he's so good. Like, yeah, yeah. Where did they find this little dweeb? Like, they just plucked him out. He was immediately so good at this. Yeah, yeah. do we know his like background? And So, uh, funny thing you mentioned that. Um, the shoot interview that I've been watching with Todd Gordon, it will not buffer past like a two hour and 30 minute mark. Thankfully, the part I saw got us to where we're at now. But the stuff where he talks about Joey and where he got Joey, I can't watch. And I uh, contacted the support for High Spots and be like, hey, what's up? And they haven't gotten back to me. So, yeah. You hear uh, that, uh, High Spots? Your archive sucks. So I might just like go out of my way and just buy the fucking thing directly from Kayfabe Commentaries or something. I don't know. But yeah, we'll get to Joey eventually. But yeah, I don't he, know. He's a, he's a star. He, he makes this show into something it's co- great. cohesive. I imagine you had to have some sort of broadcasting experience before that. If not, he's just a prodigy or something. A hundred percent. So good. You mock God! Um, also, <laughs> the, uh, okay, so first, I just want to talk about the Joey Styles bit yes, a little yes, bit yes. more. Uh, the, he closes the segment uh, with, somebody call me a doctor! <laughs> and then some PA or producer off screen says, you're a doctor! And he goes... <laughs> I like to think that's bad. I like to think that's bad in the house doing that. But But what was that? (laughs) Comedy. It's a variety show. And and (laughs) but the editing was actually pretty good. It edited pretty smoothly into the the crowd noises. Yeah. I think the moment would have worked better if they edited into the crowd booing. I think if we edited into the crowd booing a shitty heel, then then it would have really got me. Then I would have been like that sold that moment. That joke worked. It definitely (laughs) would have sold it more. So, yeah, so speaking of the edit, so we go to the most wrestling on the show tonight. It shows the yeah. title match between Sabu and Terry Funk, the second one. Um, I was so enamored by it. I was so fucking in. I was just very disappointed. It was kept being clips. I was like, just give us the match. Just give me the match. <laughs> uh, which I guess is part of the whole thing. It's like, I don't want it. You want to buy it. That's the thing. Because they yeah. do advertise later on. It's like, here's our VHS tapes. You can buy the old shows. You can buy the old clips. So uh, I thought, uh, personally, Sabu's presentation was fucking incredible. Um, it's like a dream for me. He gets carried out on a fucking gurney by these yeah. giant men, and he's all strapped up. And he, when he gets ripped off, he like breaks three and he slides into the rings like a yeah. caged animal. It's like I haven't had that feeling watching a wrestler like believability that he's like a crazy man. Since so like Nick Gage, I watched him on Dynamite against Jericho. I was just like, this guy seems like a fucking nut, and it was yeah. awesome. I alluded earlier that I was a little disappointed by Sabu's presentation on the show, and I do, I do still believe that. But the best part about Sabu that made it into this clip show was his entrance yes. like you know i don't think his moonsault to nothing plays very well <laughs> we'll if talk you, about that if you don't if you don't know the context if you don't know the context but 
I think that entrance will always read well, no awesome. matter how much of the show you've seen. Like Big fan. when you see that happen, yeah, you you immediately pay attention to him and you think differently of him. Hundred percent. I even like the casual viewer sees that and goes, "Wow." That's what like, I'm saying. It's man. just so different than everyone else. It's, like, it, it, yeah, it everyone just attention. walks out there and does a little clap. Woo, you know, like this yeah. guy fucking gets stretched out there on a gurney. Like, I I legit think the caged animal gimmick will always work yeah. well, and you know they they went fully into it in a way that you don't see as often as you should like like Hannibal Lecter is is not a new idea no but well actually wait a second when did Silence of the Lambs come out 91 I think I think part of it was like inspired by Silence of the Lambs at least the mask so 91 all right so 90 so 90 the mask was probably like a Halloween store Hannibal Lecter mask let me look up when uh I'll pretend that prior to 91 no one had ever thought of putting a man on a gurney to make him look (laughs) crazy but after 91, it was the game, yeah. and I think this is the first instance where like you really see it in for a sure, wrestling for show, sure. you know? So, yeah, um, uh, crowd pops huge for... for it's, it's so cool to see what they pop for, because, like, Sammy was just so innovative at the time. Like, he does the chair spot where he, like, sets up the chair and, like, runs... Uh, uses it the springboard onto the ropes and then, like, like reverse himself midair and, like, catch him for a DDT. And the crowd just goes insane for that. And it's like, yeah, I, I would too. It was the first time I ever saw that. Like, we're so spoiled because <laughs> we're, like, the Hardy Boys generation. So it's yeah. just, like, I've seen the stupidest bullshit. But, like, yeah. him doing a simple thing like that, I was like, wow, that's crazy. Uh, they pop for that. Yeah, uh, I would, yeah. The what the crowd popped for was very interesting. Um, there was one spot, like, later in the match that, like, it, like, it was interesting to me to see, like, Oh, like, I, the ref bump? Maybe, yeah, the ref bump yeah. specifically. I guess we'll get into it a little more once we get to it. But like, it's yeah, not too far along. Yeah, it was. It's just interesting to see what the audience demands. You know. Well, it's, it's, speaking of demands, yeah. the big "We Want Blood" chant uh, blood. broke out. Several "We Want Blood" <laughs> and nine one one responded by getting a table. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just saw this big along bring the table. I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's go into it." A quick note on the um, the, the combatants in this uh, match. Uh, ter- our, Sorry, Sabu, as usual, is wearing mm-hmm. his classic green trunks, I believe. Yes. Uh, the parachute pants. Yes, his parachute pants. Uh, he looks great. I think he always looks great in that, looks, get, in that get Especially, up. like, young him, not, not as old looking. Yeah. Like, he fucking looks insane. But he looks, he's, he's, that guy in parachute so pants, he looks good. Uh, Terry looks terrible. <laughs> Terry, Terry looks, looks so bad. He looks like a sad mime. <laughs> he is wearing a tight black shirt, not very flattering, which he's not even in bad shape, by I the way. I still go, baby. He is really not in that bad of shape. <laughs> but this black shirt is doing him no doing favors. favors. And then he has these terrible, like, fucking, like, cortisone, like, 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 you know, Cheshire like like, cat pants. Yeah, like, <laughs> it looks like he, like, borrowed all the young guys' pants and, like, stitched them all together. Like, yeah, it's like it, bizarre. It's a black and white court jester looking gimmick. Like it, it looks really bad. Fortunately, he loses his shirt pretty much immediately, yeah. and it looks a lot better. Yeah. Honestly, like For without sure. the shirt, he looks fine. Anyone who wrestles in the shirt, if you're not Kevin Owens, like it just looks bad. Yeah, like, a lot of yeah, a lot of people cannot do it. Um, I'll, I'll wear your thing because things cool. Things uh, cool. Things. And then one time he took off his shirt, and I got a big pop out of it. <laughs> the crowd went nuts. He like yeah. took it off. He knew what he was doing too. And they're like, yeah. And then he did the fucking. 450 splash and then we're going crazy. Um, let's see. Yeah, so we were blood chance. Uh, I loved uh, how low budget things were, of course. I love that the guardrail was just a rope. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't even a guardrail. <laughs> just a fucking rope. Um, yeah, so we get to the ref bump. The crowd pops huge for it. Uh, I just wrote down Sabu is so over. He's just so fucking over. Yeah, Sabu is, is incredibly over in this match. Uh, I love that they played up the the thing that Terry talked about with the few good men. Like, the few good men were outside, and that was just, like, his whole thing. He talked about his insurance policy, and I was going to get the belt back. And 
we get to a spot where the few good men show up and Sabu just does a fucking crazy uh, what was it was it a moonsault yeah he does a springboard moonsault into the good men yeah. not taking them out the crowd was fucking nuts for that um, uh, Paul Heyman shows up and cracks Terry with a cell phone uh, and then Shane Douglas fucking rolls in after this is what this is after the, the ref got bumped and the crowd went crazy Shane Douglas comes in this is where I got confused so Shane Douglas comes in I think they just fucked it, I don't know if they if this is on purpose I don't know why they do it on purpose like this I think they fucked up Shane Douglas comes in attacks uh, Sabu um, the lights go out and then I'm like oh cool someone's here to like a, a, in, uh, some sort of person's gonna come in and save the day or do whatever the crowd comes back on and Terry's just pinning Sabu and then the, the ref counts three and I'm like what was the point of the lights out when I saw like Shane attacking uh, Sabu like did you want us to think that like Shane did something so horrible when the lights were out that like that took out Sabu I think know? the lights were like supposed to be a transition for the ref coming back maybe which it worked like shit, like because like because like because like, a weird theater thing. Like. It, it, it worked horrible because when the when the lights came back on, like fucking uh, the the franchise uh, Shane Douglas, <laughs> he's still standing there. He's he's like showing the ref like, hey, there's this pin happening, <laughs> while Sherry is still on top of uh, fucking who's she attacking? Who did uh, Sherry attack? Oh, fucking um, was it Paul? I think it was Paul. Yeah, Paul. It was Paul. Yeah, Paul's just in the ring being attacked by <laughs> Sherry, which I know it's wrestling, but like, yeah. but like, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> like, yeah, like you know, like, <laughs> just like, and, and like, I felt like so just dis- maybe I'm just spoiled by like maybe this is how lights out things were done back then. I don't. I know. think it was. Yeah. But yeah, but like for me, it was like I saw it happen, and like I feel like the crowd felt this way too, where like lights came back on and there was no one new in the ring, where it was like, oh, all right. Yeah, then, I, 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 I don't know what the lights offer for. Maybe it was for a ref come. I don't know. It didn't make any sense. I wrote down in all caps, the lights are out. And then I wrote, uh, the lights came back on with nothing happening. Yeah, where, where's the, where, 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 what do I have in my notes? So, I have, let's see, Paul Heyman interferes with his giant cell phone, hits Funk with it, puts Sabu on him for the oh, I was say, giant cell phone, great gimmick. <laughs> it's a great gimmick. Great the gimmick. giant cell phone is a good gimmick. Todd talked about a quick little story about he uh, the first time he got whacked by one of them like uh, he gave him a stiff one and it was just like God his phone's fucking hurt. <laughs> but yeah, you know Sabu's on for the pen, which I guess this is supposed to be a, a face maneuver. You know, it was, <laughs> that's where I get confused. Where I'm just like, I'm also confused. Like everyone's a heel here. Everybody's. A, it seems like it's and like Sabu. I guess it's the face, but he's working for a heel. Like, that's my fucking issue. Is that he is a fa- Sabu is a face clearly. But Paul Heyman is also clearly a heel. Yeah. He is clearly a heel. We'll like, talk about absolutely. it later, but in Kayfabe, he's living in Paul Heyman's basement. Like, yeah. Well, not in Kayfabe. Like, no, in, in Kayfabe. Oh, in Kayfabe. In, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Paul talks. I have notes on that. We'll talk about it later. I have notes on that. This is my life. Yeah, I have notes on that. That promo, and again, I'll, but yeah, yeah. That, that was a good moment. Um, But, uh, let's see. Yeah, so... <laughs> So, so he hits him with the phone, gets the pin, but the ref isn't there to count it, you know, so it doesn't count. Uh, Shane Douglas interferes and breaks up the pin that no one's counting, and Sherry joins the ring to beat up Paul, I guess. <laughs> the, the lights inexplicably go out as pandemonium's unleashed. Fortunately, the lights turn on right when Shane revives the ref and kindly glads into Sabu, now pinned by Funk, completely ignoring Sherry as she kicks Paul some more. Yeah, so like... <laughs> I don't know what the lights off did. It really didn't do anything. No. They just turned them off, turned it back on, and now we can like count a new pin. My disappointment quickly went away, though, because then they had an awesome post-match with Sabu. Just started flipping on every dude 
interesting. <laughs> yeah. He just started flipping on motherfuckers. It was yeah. hilarious. Like, I kept laughing. He just like did a flip, got back in the ring, did another flip, got back in the ring, and then he started doing his suicidal. I guess this is the suicidal part of right, the suicidal, yeah. homicidal, genocidal. He pulls out a table, starts flipping into it over and over again. I'm just laughing. I think it's. I think the spot is stupid, but I kind of like it because it's stupid. But it only my problem with the spot is um, it isn't immediately obvious to a new viewer. Like I think what's it, happening is I think it's a really hard line to toe. The, the the fun thought that I had while watching was uh, in my mind Sabu was very similar to me as like Orange Cassidy is now mm. in that he is hella over. But he's also like getting over doing things that people character would consider. Work and stuff, yeah. But people would also—it's character words that people would consider like business killing. Mm, you know, it's like gotcha, gotcha, it's yeah. like no no champion would be so stupid as, as, over to, over. as to backflip onto a table to hurt himself yeah. if it really hurts you. Yeah, like, definitely, that's definitely. crazy. You know, and it's like and same thing with Orange Cassidy. Like no legitimate combatant would waste pockets. would waste his time putting hands in your pocket and kicking and stuff. But it's over, baby. Yeah. Like it's like it's like the the people love it. Yeah. So it's like it's fucking sick, you know. And I think that's just a a product of the time. I think if I was watching at the time, uh, oh, like, I would. Yeah. I think so. If I put myself in that mind space, I think I would have loved yeah. it. I wouldn't be like, this is the coolest fucking thing. And ever. again, like I know who Sabu is, so I get. It. I know it's a part of its homicidal, like suicidal gimmick. But yeah. like you know, I think as like maybe if maybe if he did that today and nobody had ever seen it before, it'd be hard to I think understand. This but I think it's important to point out because the whole today and versus the past thing because like I don't think a lot of the time Sabu gets enough credit for how different he was and how much he really no he really does come through that he was a huge fucking deal for the time like everything I'm reading about me Dave is like gushing about him like everything I've like all the different sources I've read back then it's just like everyone's talking about how fucking cool Sabu is and he jumped off a chair and like like, he was just able to like do things in a wrestling ring that wasn't being done yeah. in WWF's wrestling yeah. ring, and that was the whole sell of ECW. Yeah. I think you eventually got a more polished version, like Van Dam and stuff like that. Like, yeah, we'll we'll bring it up again, but like it it, it loops back into my point of this whole show is trying to sell a product that is we are uh, exactly what you cannot get hmm. on WWF show. That is what we're selling. Hmm. Like, we, we are just a different show we run under different rules and that's what makes us better for sure you know um i'm referring to specifically the moment <laughs> with uh, pitbull yes because uh, the commentator called that one out a little bit um good old gary wolf but uh yeah but the, the match wraps up and sabu and paul get their heat back uh they beat everybody up so sabu moonsaults on everybody including himself and another <laughs> character thing i loved here was that uh you had like five people grabbing sabu by the legs as he's like clawing on the mat trying to stay in and they have to force him back onto the fucking thing awesome yeah um I, but, th- oh, I, th- I think i think it, it helps to share our like you know reflecting thoughts on this you know quote-unquote match a little bit mm-hmm. um it's not. It's hard to. It's hard to really say though, because it wasn't really a match. It was a, a, highlights of a match. Highlights of a match. Yeah. yeah. So it was. Fu- a, I think got a fuck finish. It was a bit of a mess. Yeah. Yes. Because of this, because it was a fuck finish, and it was a highlight reel. So like, you know, they did a pretty good job for like the first like, you know, half three quarters of the duration. Like, yeah, you know, for sure. Painting like what the match in. was like. Yeah. But then like when they got towards the finish, it yeah. sort of like lost the thread because it was, it was hard to tell what was happening. Yep. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it was really interesting to see what the crowd wanted to see. Like, you know, they wanted to see, obviously the bloodshed, but like they didn't just want the blood. They wanted bullshit. Like they wanted bullshit. Not only not only bullshit, but like cuz you know, ref bumps happen in WWE all the time. Sure. But like 
for some reason, like seeing a face turn and hit the ref was something they wanted to see. They want their baby face to do yeah. that because that's not what the baby face does in the other companies. Mm. Like, I, th- I think that's like, you know, that's it. I yeah. think that's like why it was. And I am remembering that correctly, right? It was Sabu who did the ref bump because Sabu mm. was throwing. I something. believe so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't think it was like I don't think it was a purposeful restaurant. I think it's just like or no, it was. was so it what purposeful? happened was I'm yeah. trying to remember if it was like an accidental or just like no, or, I, or, or, or like they saw him the Sabu crazy thing where he's just like fuck it, fuck you ref. No, yeah, here here it goes. Here here it is. Funk sets up a table in the corner, uh, strikes Sabu. We follow wrestling rules, and Sabu throws Funk into the table. We also follow ECW rules because the, t- the table doesn't break. So we d- repeat it, and we throw, <laughs> we throw Funk into the t- table two more That's times right, without yeah. it breaking. We throw it a fourth time, and it doesn't break. He then strikes the ref. The crowd goes fucking nuts. <laughs> like when he it. hits the ref, it's the biggest pop of the match. Like quite, like I'm yeah, pretty sure. Like you mentioned like it is. It's yeah, it, it's fun. ridiculous. Yeah. Like that's what was so noteworthy to me was punching that an official. Punching the official, the face punching an official was the most noteworthy of the match in like a positive light. Like it oh, got, sure. it got, it, the, the crowd liked it. It's it also was, fun to see something so small. Like there's a so small nowadays be so impactful and effective back then. Yeah. Know? And then and then he <laughs> but after hitting the ref, he throws the ref onto the table. <laughs> the ref bounces off of it and it still doesn't break. And then a few good men interfere. Then Sabu moonsaults into him. There's and that, fuck and no well it breaks no it doesn't even finish. Oh, this, is just the, this is just like the the midpoint of the match. Oh, this, shit. this is before um this is before uh, uh, Shane Douglas interferes. This is before Paul interferes. Okay. This is still like this is the match, mm. like it, but with a little funk fucker you can see mm. the heel. But like he, uh, that's what that's what leads into the like the Sabu chance. Like that was what led into like the biggest like Sabu Sabu. Mm. Like that's that's what what was that ref bump into into ref bump again <laughs> into uh, you know stopping the interference. Uh, I just thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was just a uh, that was, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad we went over that. Yeah, <laughs> that, no, it's fucking that, awesome. That, that moment, it was great. Uh, I I thought the match was uh was interesting. I thought it was interesting, and I thought most interesting was the crowd's incessant need for abject chaos. Yeah, you know, they just you want, really have a nice taste of ECW. They wanted that. their expectations subverted, and yep. their expectations were you know up until this point pretty much built by the other wrestling shows on TV. Yep. So, I, I yeah, it's really interesting. It's good shit. Um, so fuck all that. My boy is here. Uh, Jason, Joey, the mean? sexiest man alive, is here with Joey. Um, I'm in love. I think he's the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. I think everyone should uh, love Jason the way I love him. Um, he's just great. And he's really good. Uh, it cuts to a, a montage right. of, uh, yeah... Oh, sorry. It, sorry, he's not with Joey yet. He's not, so he's sorry. He's yes. not with Joey. In the, yeah, I was just reviewing my yeah. notes, too. Yeah, cuss to Joey, and then Joey's like, we're going to see Jason's new protege, or his, his new roughneck. Oh, sorry, his new roughneck. That's important, because they roughneck. play a song called The Roughneck. Yeah, yeah. he's the roughneck uh, Mr. Hughes. Mr. Hughes. Uh, Mr. Hughes uh, was also in, I believe, the 94 King of the Ring. Um, lost to Mr. Perfect in the first round. He had a very brief stint in the WWF. Had one more brief stint in the WWF in 99 as Jericho's bodyguard for a hot second. Mm-hmm. It was... Fucking horrible. Um, but yeah, Mr. Hughes, I like the look. I, like I was about to say the same thing. His look is great. Look is great. All of the spots, bad. So, pretty yeah. bad, I think. I thought, yeah, I thought it, pretty mid. I, 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 the spots are mid. I thought he executed them in a solid manner. Uh, but yeah, he was just, he's very generic big guy. 
it definitely helps that he has someone as charismatic as Jason next to him to be like, oh, hey, go beat up this man. You know, like, that's, that's good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a montage of uh, Mr. Hugh Squash Peel to the song Roughneck by MC Light. Um, really fun. Yeah, sure, kind of got a rough neck. Really, yeah. really just really fun. The, I sec- the second song that we've heard so far on this yes. show, and also just amazing. Like I've really started. Uh, I've started a playlist. Every song, new song I'm going to hear, I'm going to add it to it. So we're gonna oh, that's little, fun. Yeah. We'll have to share that for sure. On for whatever sure. Whatever medium we distribute this podcast, definitely. On. That's a good. That's a good piece of content. If oh, 100. And so uh, yeah, so he, he squashes the Sandman's and oh, my favorite part about it was uh, this one I knew I was in love with Jason. Uh, he does like a Samoan slam or something like that, and then like Jason comes up on the apron and he just starts like model posing. He's just like, uh, uh, like feeling himself and like <laughs> just like giving a little like wink to the camera. And I'm like, I'm in love. Uh, he's so great. It was funny because like from my point of view, I, I felt like Jason didn't really uh, come through on this show very much. Really? I, I mean, he had time. Like it, it wasn't like that they didn't like cover him. I just felt like that. You know, I mean, he. he I really like this giant '90s suit. I love the pastel yeah. colors. I love his weird, like, kind of European accent, but kind of not. It goes in and out. Like, I don't, and, like, the guy is, I looked him up a little bit. The guy's legit from, like, uh, somewhere in Eastern Europe. So, like, I think the accent's legit, but I think it's just a unique, oh, like, melding of, like, where he's yeah. from, an American accent. I think um, he comes through more towards the end of the show when he actually does show up uh, in studio. Yeah, with, yeah, uh, for sure. With Joey Styles, but um, and, and, and the video was to show off Mr. Hughes. You know, it showed a little bit of. Uh, yeah, I, I think to Jason. the show's credit, yeah, they didn't really put over uh, yeah Jason in this moment, nor did they really put over Jason in the the Pitbull segment either. No, that was no, really they, the point. They just yeah. happened to mention that he's Pitbull's buddy, and yeah, you know, and then I think which is important, important to mention. I think it is too, and I, I appreciate little things like that because it's nice knowing who's friends with. Who and where all the social shit stands, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, he's gonna get involved in that in that yeah. match. So. Yeah. And also, if you notice in the montage, like his other guy, the Mister Roughneck, uh, like takes out Sandman in that montage too. So, um, but yeah, it comes back to Joey. Um, talks about the pit bull, like we talked about. Um, they show a clip from a match. It was a very one-two-three uh, kid versus like uh, racer Ramon style. Oh finish. no, this is very noteworthy to me. Yeah, because so first off, uh, pit bull. I think it looks good. Gary Wolf, yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty generic gear, but it still looks good. He's just got, good he's got like, what is it, like just a mop of curly hair? Yeah, he's like got a mop of curly hair. He's got gear. like the Prince Albert kind of gear on. Yeah, yeah. it's a good look. And he's yeah, he's, he's chasing chains. against a generic jobber. Yeah, one, I, two, three, kick. He, he, I think like, I like their. Uh, I liked him with uh, with his tag partner later on when he became the Pitbull. So I think it's a better look for both of them. But the Pitbull reminds me of like an early version of Rhino, essentially. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we cut into this match, and we get the whole thing actually. Yes, so, it's very yeah. quick. Yeah, so if, if you want to just like... Yeah, describe. yeah, it was just basically a squash match. People beat the fuck very... out of this guy. I don't remember the name of the jobber, honestly. Um, no, but... do you not remember the actual who won the match? Uh, I know I know the guy won the match, oh, but yeah, you don't yeah, remember yeah. the name of the guy who won the oh, match. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, so essentially Pitbull's beating him up, but then this jobber gets like a quick roll-up, and he catches him really quick with the roll-up. Uh, and then Pitbull, you know, like I said, Razor Ramon, one, two, three, kid, he freaks out, just beating the shit out of him. Then the Sandman, uh, the surfer comes in and yeah. uh, he saves the jobber and you know and that basically just a quick little segment the the setup uh, him versus uh, Pitbull for Friday yeah but importantly what I wanted to sp- uh, talk about in this match was uh, the commentators uh, reaction to this result because the reaction obviously it's a reverse squash it's an upset you know like I think AEW has fucked up my listening for commentators because for so long I wasn't listening to JR on purpose that when I when I watch wrestling media it's hard for me to pay attention to the commentary see I'm gonna push back on that because Uh you said the same thing 
about Raw before watching AEW, <laughs> about how you didn't ooh, watch it because ooh, of Michael Cole. Maybe <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, oh, yeah, you know, maybe it's me. <laughs> Might be me. I don't know. I don't know where this seed starts, but it could be deeper than it AEW. Could be deeper than that. that that's but, for uh, therapy. But yeah, yeah. No, that, that's for therapy. <laughs> but, this but, is a but podcast. For the, but, for, but for this match, though, for this match, there was. When when this nameless guy, well, I'm sorry, nameless guy. Yeah, I'm you, sorry. You weren't really that noble. If you were, though. if you were name nameful enough, I would have written you down. If I, I know. Recognized they you. didn't say it, but like, he, yeah, that's a good point. But he, but he, but he wins, and the and the commentators say, "Well, that's what happens in this company if you don't get your shoulders up off the mat." Uh huh. Implying <laughs> that in other wrestling companies, oh, we have something happen. They'll count you for three. No, I don't. This is it's a work shoot, I think, but like oh. a very small one. Like not like it's not supposed to be like a, oh they fucked up and now he's really beating him up. But that's kind of the implication. Interesting. That's kind of the implication, but it's so obviously a work. Like, everybody knows it's yeah. a work. I just like, thought they were just ripping off uh, Razor and one two three kicks. I think at this point that happened. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, see, this is context I need. So what are you talking about here? Oh, you don't... Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, My well, brain just assumes you know what that is. So the way X-Pac got famous when... Before he was X-Pac, he was a guy called One Two Three Kid. Yeah. Um, and he was mostly... They built it up... One of the few things they built up really well back then was they had him come out on TV, and he'd be, always be real competitive, but he's basically uh, like a job guy. who keep getting beat by the big names. And finally, there was a main event of Raw where it was him versus Razor Ramon, and they have a competitive match, and then the one, two, three kid does a moonsault off the top and lands on top of Razor Ramon and gets him for a quick three. And Razor kicks out right after three, and the crowd just goes fucking insane. Yeah. Like yeah, and one, two, three kid's like running around the ring, like arms up in the air, and this is like this big moment. And then Razor chases after him, you know, and that that started their feud. So I thought they were just ripping that off. Yeah, I didn't get. <laughs> I don't think that's what happened, man. I I think what happened was was um. God, it's, it's so hard to say though because this doesn't make sense. Like I know you mean. Like they're just trying to like show off that like we're the cooler like realer place. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're realer. Like yeah. you know, like mistakes can happen yeah. here because we don't put, we don't play soft. And, you and, know? We, and we give receipts. You it's know, like it's right? like the, there's no teleprompters here. Like you're we're completely <laughs> off the cuff. Like anything can happen. You know, I, implying that like that isn't true for everywhere else. Yeah, even though it is. Like, even you know, it, is, like yeah. it totally is. Like it's very silly. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny to like. It was just such an interesting line to me. To be, I gotta pay attention to the commentators more. Yeah, I, I, I think it's completely. I, I think it's a complete. I think it's really important to understanding what the show's presentation was. Mm -hmm. Like the show was entirely a counterproduct. It was entirely like, uh, like I keep saying, like it's something that WWF doesn't offer. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they were trying to push is something that WWF doesn't offer is realness. Is this this chance of mistakes? It's really. It's, it was really cool to me. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. Um, so yeah, you do that whole thing. It cuts to a Sandman promo outside of um. That's not his fucking house. I'm assuming it's like a really nice looking <laughs> house back there. He's like, yeah, <laughs> this promo was so funny. Me and Peaches, we're gonna we're gonna go down to Jersey Shore or some shit like that. He says he says that he, he has to undergo five hours of therapy. That's what I'm not sure. And like he means physical therapy, <laughs> yeah. and we know this because the the woman he's with like caresses his peck <laughs> when he says. I five believe that's hours a shoot of... wife, by the way. Too. Oh, okay. her name is Peaches, but I believe it's actually his wife. I wasn't well. sure who she was, yeah. so I'm sorry for missing that. No, no, you're good. I, I wrote it down because I made sure because uh, Jason talks about her but he also says i'm gonna spit you out like yesterday's garbage which tells us how long He's sandman garbage. keeps garbage in his mouth he keeps it in his mouth for a day before spitting it out 
Yes, the problem. He's just so like I've I've met and interacted with so many people like this in my life. <laughs> just like like my dad's friends. With, oh, like, like Mr. Horrible. Sandman. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there's so many fucking Delco trash like Philly people that are just like yeah, <laughs> like and the barbed wire tattoo like. <laughs> Oh man, it was just very nostalgic to watch for me. I was like, yeah, I know him. Yeah, the guy who's like powered entirely by light beer and uh, <laughs> and television. Fun, <laughs> fun fact for the audience: my my dad's friend with a guy who plays slow pitch softball with uh, Sandman. So yeah, if I ever get that connect, I'll try to have Sandman on the show. Yeah, Sandman's <laughs> a guy who likes his. Uh, you know, he, he may smash a beer can against his head, but when he plays baseball, he likes to take it slow take, pitch. Take it slow pitch. Slow pitch. You know, we're a little older. It bruises easily. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying um, to. We're trying to make connection here speaking, we're not trying to speaking of bruising easily uh jason rolls up in a beautiful the hottest car of 94 i'm not a car guy but it looks like a car from 94 and, <laughs> and i i miss like most of what he said because it's mic'd horribly but he goes hey big man and, and then he says yeah, i could not understand a word i got hey big man and i laughed and then like he jumps on top of yeah. the fucking car and they speed off and i'm like jesus christ like he could have like Fucking it's a very dangerous stuff. Yeah, it's not a safe. Because you know stunt. they don't have like the proper people there. Like it's just them and a camera. Well, there's no like, way to gimmick that. You no, know? like like he, they and you know, uh, the other thing is is that like the angle they had. They were going pretty fast. Like, they were driving yeah. away from the camera, so it doesn't... He just had to look like Jesus Christ. It, it, it doesn't look that fast from the perspective of the camera. Like, they should have had another shot or something. Like, they could, they could have done yeah, something to that. Yeah, they could have cut there. They, they basically needed to do something where they wouldn't require Jason to drive as fast <laughs> as he can in this parking lot it, it was, to make it look good. It, like, was, like, it wasn't a cul-de-sac. It wasn't a parking lot. It, it wasn't was, a parking lot? Yeah, I, I, thought thought it was, like, I thought it was like a cul-de-sac. My I bad. could be wrong. But uh, either way, it was funny. So I think at the very end, like we see Jason kind of stop when they cut the camera real fast. So. <laughs> I didn't notice that. So I, think he, I think he goes to the very end of the street and then he stops. <laughs> you just see the brake lights. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> Dude, fucking edit a little better. <laughs> <laughs> and it cuts to the ECW Wrestling Academy ad. It's only three thousand dollars per student, while sixteen hundred dollars down and five hundred dollars per month. Oh, it's fifteen hundred <laughs> down and five hundred per month. So it's a three-month program. <laughs> For three thousand dollars, you can be a wrestler, you can be a manager, <laughs> and I, I, a referee. Right? That was the other one. I think it's a little bullshit that they all cost three thousand dollars. <laughs> like, maybe you could have different pricing for different packages. They encounter with their slogan: "It's not for everyone." It's <laughs> only the serious need. A, need only the serious need apply. Don't yeah. bullshit us if you're gonna give us money. Give us money. We'll send Jason in his car. After we gotta you. nag our potential customers. <laughs> we gotta be like, yeah, don't even bother unless you really mean it. Unless you got a big head, like go away. Uh, so yeah, not for everyone. Um, more Jason. Uh, we're now uh, also something out. not for everyone. Hmm. Uh, Jason, <laughs> which is actually what Joey. Uh, oh no, no, I'm sorry, I'm getting it. It's him and Joey. Uh, I'm referencing a line that doesn't happen yet. Oh <laughs> yeah, well I, I haven't written. I'm it. trying to make a joke here. It's, it's gonna be on. Th it's gonna be on thumbnail. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so more Jason. Uh, Jason and Joey are hanging out. Joey's disgusted. Jason's like, oh, I look pretty good, eh? And he like looks into the camera and kind of poses. And yeah, then, he also asks him about Willy Wonka and yeah. the girl who turns into a blueberry. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot the, about that. I guess the implication being that Jason is fat and his suit is blue. I'm not really sure <laughs> yeah, what I the uh, what, that joke was. what the reference was. Jason there. just shrugged off. He's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, he didn't get it either. So he moved <laughs> on. <laughs> and then he said the, the best line of the night, um, talking about peaches. Yes. Uh, he said, hey, Joey, do you think Peaches realizes that I can hang 10 without a surfboard? And then Joey goes, <laughs> like, Joey sells <laughs> this line 
like he's a fucking like a, like a cartoon aristocrat who just saw like a, a chimney sweep like like take like fart. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like it's, fucking, it's, he's a gas. He's, like, <laughs> and his shit even grin. He knows what he did. He's, like, <laughs> he's all happy with it. He, he, he's thrilled, and, and and yeah, and and Joey with his side profile doing the fucking po- pog face, pretty much. But instead of he's yeah, not, it he's, is a pog, yeah. But he's not pogging; he's like horrified. It's it's he's actually it's actually Randy Orton reacting to the Undertaker. That's what he's giving. That's what he's channeling right now. Yeah, I wrote down uh, Joey and me, Marvel at Jason's giant cock. Um, Jason just winks ten uh, inch. Uh, Jason winks just to me. Yeah. So the um. so the joke here is. I didn't realize the joke, so I, yeah, feel, I, the I, I, I feel like we need to explain it. So I'm sure everybody knows that hanging 10 is a thing you do in surfing yep. where your toes are hanging off the board yes. while you're catching a wave. It's pretty crazy. And then Jason, the sexed up, handsomest <laughs> man in the world. The sexiest man alive. He can hang 10 without a surfboard. Whoa. So something else is hanging for 10. <laughs> And if we can think about things, yeah, he's talking about his dick. But it didn't make any fucking sense to me because I was like, so why is he talking about surfing? What's the connection? Like, why is he bringing up? Is that this rules. is this a beach brawl or something? Is this like a fucking volleyball match? No, it's 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 Sandman's a surfer gimmick. I had no idea that was even a thing. It's, it's so obvious. Like, how, how, it's ridiculous. It's not even obvious in retrospect. No, no. Like you know, like I know Sandman like as a wrestler over years, and I didn't know he was like a surfer ever. If you, you if, know, if like, they didn't show videos of him wrestling in that suit, I would have just assumed it's the regular Sandman we always know because. Nothing about that's his, what we think of. Nothing about his promo looked like a surfer. He wore just like street clothes, like he would if he was the beer swilling dude. Like it was bizarre. But he still comes out in the weird like surfer outfit and the, the, yeah, the surfboard. It, it, it is. It, it's it's under. It, I, I don't understand. It's weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he has got a big dick. Um, what we got throwing over here? Oh yeah, uh, I wrote the voiceover guy's doing a great job. I think he was just like, yeah, it, it's the, going to the show and he got the t-shirt. It was very like bad <laughs> yeah um i don't remember the voiceover guy but i did write down bring ecw to your town yes which that's, really that's literally what the guy was trying to get me to do yeah. he was trying to impart that message so evidently he did a good job did, did a good enough job even if i don't remember anything else he said he got his point across <laughs> uh, we cut back to uh, maddie in the house hey oh i'm not trying to rip you off um, yeah, he does a dumb, like, butthead laugh. He's like... <laughs> yeah, he does do the butthead laugh. He's like, he kind of, like, stands there weird. Yeah, he's, he, it's, it's really awkward. <laughs> uh, I wrote, I want the shirt. I want to be cool. I want to be really cool. Because uh, he, he's doing the whole line of, like, you want to be cool? You want to be really cool? And then he flips the shirt over, and it says, I survived the body count. Which now I want this fucking shirt. That's baller. <laughs> yeah, they showed that earlier in the back of the shirt, but I, didn't I missed it when then. Yeah. I didn't take note of what was on it. I, I wasn't too interested in uh, the design of the shirt. <laughs> it's like, God, that's so fucking sick. <laughs> I survived the, the body. body count. All like that one? <laughs> it's hilarious. Does <laughs> you want to a magic tournament with that? I survived the body count. I don't know, count? man. Body count has like a different context. Oh, now I, body count is like how many people. Yeah, you fuck, anything you know? about that. It's like a, it's like a gross like. You know, pick up oh, artists, misogyny. It's not term, as fun anymore. You know? I mean, it's still, it's just different. Yeah. I don't, I think it's harder to put, I think it's hard to write anything in giant capital font <laughs> on the back of a shirt. <laughs> get away with it. Yeah, get away with it. <laughs> it's difficult. <laughs> so it comes to uh, Joey. He has another stellar Maddie uh, impression. Um, he also uh, talks about the, sh- the Shane Douglas stuff. 
So yeah, so it cuts to uh, now the second big like video package thing of the night. Yeah, so uh, we, we learn we learn a little bit more about Shane Douglas. Like up until this point in the show, Shane Douglas has been a guy that they keep calling the franchise. I don't really know why. And now we learn a little bit more about why. And it's because he used to be a tag team guy. Yes. You know, he used to be a tag team player. Uh, and that was his known quantity. And now he made a transition into the singles run. And he made a heel turn, I think. I don't know if he yes. was heel before, but uh, he's heel I, he now. Was, I think he was a face before. He was in the, in the dynamic dudes with the... Well, <gasps> well that makes sense because he needed a name change. Because not only is he not a tag team person anymore... He's not a dynamic he's dude not, He's not a baby face anymore. Yeah. He's not a dynamic dude anymore. So now he... Uh, he has a chip on his shoulder, and he's named the franchise. Uh, the The conclusion I didn't really understand. I, I understood why he needed a name change. Yeah. I don't know why the franchise is what he landed on. I assume it's because it's boring and it makes you think of ESPN and the status quo. Yeah, he went like he went like a real hard turn in kind of like the sports a little bit there. Yeah, I think um, he did. I mean, he's from Pittsburgh, so that's why he's on black uh, black and yellow, a big Steelers guy. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what he's trying to play off of, right? I think like, I just need to watch more Shane no Douglas. No fun league NFL yeah. shit, you know? Like, yeah, he was the, the evil teacher in WWF. But, uh, but evil teachers were in WWF, Jesus. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he <laughs> was, um, what the fuck's his name? I remember. Something dumb. Anyway, oh, I think it was still Shane Douglas, wasn't he? Uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah. But Sabu it, got uh, some belt from, from Shane Douglas. So, yeah. So, yeah. it starts off with uh, Shane wins the ECW TV title. Uh, yes. Then Paul uh, gives Shane Sherry as a manager as a, a celebration. Uh, and then Paul also gave him a bodyguard, which was Sabu, which franchise was not happy about because he's terrified of Sabu. Okay. Uh, he, he thinks he's scary and he's a real threat to his belt. And Shane's obviously the heel type to be like my precious kind of thing. Very Triple H's. Yeah. Um, yeah, Shane's not happy with this. Uh, and then what, what happens? So Shane kept defending his title. Oh, yeah. And then... He, that match, um, uh, the protege for Terry Funk, he eventually, uh, J.T. Smith, he eventually faced Shane for the title. Uh, that was the match that um, that uh, Terry threw in the towel when he was in the yes. figure four. Yeah. And then that was the blow-off angle where Terry turned heel on J.T. and then went off on his own. Um, so, yeah, and then eventually he would defend the title a little bit more. Uh, Paul and Sabu betrayed Douglas uh, when Sabu became a surprise opponent of uh, Shane's. And they beat Douglas for the TV title, ending Douglas, uh, ending the Dangerous Alliance. So the Dangerous Alliance is done. Um, Shane has lost the belt in a very quick fashion. Sabu just like basically squashed in like three minutes. This is before uh, or after the woman promo. <laughs> oh, oh, this is before. I'll get to okay, that. Okay, okay. So uh, that happens, uh, and while Sabu is feuding with Terry, um, we cut to a woman promo where Sherry was right. gone for a week, so woman's out here, and she's all like, hmm, I'm fuck, I'm fucking sexy, aren't I? And Shane Douglas is like, no! And the crowd's like, yeah! And then, uh... No, that's not what I, uh, that's not how I, uh... Isn't that what it was? It. No, um, everything up until the last part. So, yeah, Sherry, uh, Sherry Martell's in, on vacation in Mexico with Jake Roberts. I don't know why. <laughs> As weird, you do. A weird detail that they included. Uh, <laughs> and then woman tries to win, win him over in her absence. She goes out, and, he, and she's like, dude, your girl's not around, and I'm right here. <laughs> and he's like, you are so beautiful. Everything about you. He, like, names three things that are beautiful about her. But she's no Sherry Martell, and... Uh, what I wrote down is the audience is aghast. They booed. The the audience booed him. And I thought the whole thing was is that they were like, you didn't cheat on your girl. Damn. You're a heel. 
And that's why I was so <laughs> taken aback. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I, I, you disagreeing with me. Like, I want to go back and I miss, check again. I, honestly, I, it's I been, swear to God they booed you him. Were, you are way fresher on the show than me. It's been, oh, it's three weeks since I've watched it. You're probably right, and I'm probably misreading my notes. Dude, my I'm notes... telling you, this was another moment for me where I really had to stop and think about the product that everybody in the ECW yeah, really I, wanted I to see. I honestly misremembered it. I probably just assumed it was like the reaction they would get in the Attitude Era where they'd be like, yeah. But, like, but it's so crazy. They want, like, you know, the, the, they wanted to cheat. the baby face thing to do it, on this show is to cheat on your girlfriend when yeah. she's not around. That's so wild. <laughs> that's insane it's a to pro me. Heel, well, the, the crowd's a pro-heel crowd. You that's know? what I'm yeah. saying, though. The, the, that's what's so crazy about the show, and probably why it is so heel-heavy, is because, like, the crowd interprets traditional heel things as babyface moves. Mm. Like, like being unfaithful to your girlfriend is a face thing now in this in this room, which is just so... It's wild. It's crazy, and it's... And it's and it, it was it's such a... You know, it's the moment they put in the clip show. You yeah. know, it's the moment they yeah. put in because it was probably one of the biggest reactions that he got. Probably. Was saying, was saying no, he thinks that Sherry Martell is more attractive than woman. Because mm-hmm. let's let's keep in mind, at the end of the day, that is the line that got booed. Yeah. Was him saying, you're no Sherry Martell. You're Sherry Martell. And that's what every fucking sweaty nerd in that, <laughs> who wouldn't want woman over Sherry Martell? <laughs> like, that's, you know that that was the yeah, reaction for, sure. for all yeah. those fucking guys. Like, you know, like it's, it's insane. It's just, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that was wild. Like <laughs> Speaking of uh, uh, guys, uh, Tommy Dreamer, big suspenders guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very Wardlow-esque almost. Uh, I want him to do the little thing yeah, when he grabs it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, essentially, uh, so Tommy as part, he's, he's co-tag champs. I can't remember with who, but essentially his partner is hurt. And he has to face yeah. um, Kevin Sullivan and the Tasmaniac. The Tasmaniac. The Tasmaniac. <laughs> Shouts out to my brother. Um, the Tasmaniac, and uh, he needs a tag partner, and Douglas offers uh, all of his yeah, services. Steve's, Steve's uh, just a, a quick note uh, <laughs> for like the podcast. Uh, Steve's dad, uh, he plays in a slow pitch softball league with Taz. <laughs> Taz. Yeah, and Taz. I uh, wish he did. He plays second base. Uh, oh, he, awesome. He's he's really weak in terms of fielding, but uh, he's he, he can uh, he's good at pinch hitting. Here's the thing: me and Taz have interacted on Twitter once or twice, <laughs> and through that, I think we're best buds. Oh uh, right. Yeah, because through that you're on speed dial. Because like I think if I walked up to him and said, "Hey, remember that pretzel thing one time on Twitter?" He'd be like, "Yeah, of course, brother. You're Steve." Of course, brother. I talk about that every day. <laughs> I talk about my fat ass Wawa pretzel all the goddamn time. <laughs> but yeah, shout out to Taz. Uh, shout out to Hook. Great son. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, we, so we get uh, yeah. So immediately Douglas betrays very Sting Ric Flair style. Just betrays Tommy and just be, puts the boots on him and yeah. the Taz maniac <laughs> and uh, Kevin's on winner tag belts. Um, after that, uh, Tommy and Shane feud for a little bit, eventually, um... Oh, wait, well, well, after the, um, the, the Douglas and, uh, Tommy Dreamer match against Tasmanian and Kevin Sullivan, don't we cut back to another Maddie in the House segment? Do we? I'm pretty sure we do. I'm, do pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure we cut back to a Maddie in the House the next segment. next one I have is, uh, the one at the very end of the show. I have, the, I have the one at the end of the show where he has the funny line about being sorry, but... Well, that's Maddie, isn't it? Yeah. But that's uh, the end of the show. Yeah. But no, we still have more. Oh, what am I thinking of? Well, I, oh, we, let me read my notes. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. Tommy and Shane feuded, and then it gets to the point where we're at with Holiday Hell, where Shane helps uh, Shane helps um, Terry beat Sabu, which sets up the match, and then they talk about the match, and then it cuts back to the control center. <laughs> 
where uh, wait, it, is that what we're calling the? the it's the control center. That's what the, that's what it's called. That's the EC. Let me where Joey Styles does his segments. That's the control center. Let me see. Yeah, live from the ECW control center. <laughs> that's, their, that's their big studio, bud. They could have called it something better. It's the control center. <laughs> that's where Zordon hangs out. I know. I know. It's the fucking Paul Heyman's mom's basement. But like, <laughs> they could have named it anything. <laughs> yeah. So I have uh, some commercials. Uh, past episodes are available. Call the hotline. Uh, another Maddie in the house T-shirt segment, uh, and then Paul E comes in. I, w- I wanted to pa- talk about uh, Maddie in the house T-shirt segment. Which mm. is, it was just weird because it starts off where he's like he's pretending like he's not Maddie. In oh the yeah, house. well he's the devil. He's the he's the, the he's Maddie on the T-shirt. That's what the gimmick was. Oh, the I whole, was so confused. Oh, dude, Tyler, the whole joke is that uh, that Joey's like oh, that kind of looks like him too. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then, he keeps they, saying and then that. they cut to him as the T-shirt, being like, "Hey guys." Maddie in the house here. How did you know it was him as the t-shirt? Oh, because it looks like him. What is you mean? He's looked the same as he did in the previous two segments. No, He's well, the same guy. No, but I'm saying... He wasn't t- wearing, like, devil makeup or No, anything. but it looks like, like him in devil makeup. But he didn't wear devil makeup in the third segment. I, no, he didn't. But he, he, he had the t-shirt. But what he did talking... he do to communicate that he was now t-shirt Maddie? Oh, nothing, really. He just held... That, the, that's the problem! He held the t-shirt <laughs> up and he spoke in a voice. He was like... He was speaking in a voice the whole time. He's a character. His whole well, character is he's like, oh, I'm not sorry. You're telling me he wasn't speaking in a voice? Oh, he's speaking in another voice. No, I could. That did not. Well, that's why I said he's not Maddie. I said, Maddie. I said Maddie isn't. Maddie in the house is pretending to not be Maddie in the house. Here with a he's Maddie in the Maddie. house fake out to sell the show. Like, Here with that, Maddie in the house fake out. Yeah, that's what Dude. I wrote. Down. I didn't get that he was supposed to be the. T- I know they kept talking about yeah. how he looks like. I think the that was just a payoff to it. Yeah. I did not get that, man. I did not get that <laughs> well, punchline. Well, it doesn't matter. Paul E is here. He interrupts to make fun oh, of Oh, sorry to interrupt again. Oh, yeah. No, it's okay. Why do you call Paul E? Uh, Paul E. Dangerously. That was a... There is a movie oh. called... Oh, fuck. There's going to be... If there's older, so this is Paul Heyman. If there's movie, older people but... than us listening to this, I'm so sorry. There's a movie from like the 70s... Uh, where there's a character called E. Dangerously, I believe, and he just took the name from uh, from that. Paul E. Dangerously, sure. Because I think him, I think it's played by, um, who's the guy who played Batman in 89? Michael um, Keaton? Yeah, I, I think when he was younger, people said he looked like Michael Keaton, and Michael Keaton played a character with the last name, like, Dangerously or he something like that. He fucking wishes. So, yeah, no I know. One, no wishes. wonder he ran with that. <laughs> oh, of course. That fucking nerdy-looking yeah. schlub. Somebody oh, said yeah. he looked like a hot man one time. <laughs> He's like, I will name myself after him. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> But yeah, so um, so Michael Keaton shows up. He, uh, he comes in to make fun of the Sandman. I wrote down this line he had. I didn't get it. Maybe maybe it went over my head. And you're gonna laugh at me right now. I would love. He to. says, "How do you beat the Sandman? You throw a bunch of sand against the wall and you tell him to hit the beach." <laughs> I'm glad he wrote that one down. Don't fucking I, get it. I wrote. I okay. So <laughs> let's think about. Let's this. talk about comedy. Let's think about this. So first off, this is Paul yeah. talking now. Okay, yeah. so before we talk about this line in particular, mm-hmm. I would like to call back to the thing I was setting up earlier. Yes. Where I say Paul is a great showman, yes. and he is. But what I pointed to earlier was that his strength is crowd work. Yes. And I think in this segment, inside of the ECW Control Center, Thank you. we see that he struggles if he doesn't have a crowd to work yes. off of. And he does hit his stride in this promo, but in the beginning he flounders, it's, and, and this is a line he, he like flounders. Makes fun on. of JT Smith's like st- uh, his, his speech yeah. I was like, what, like, where are we yeah, going? I, I wrote that down as like one of the moments where I'm like, yeah, a little yucky. Yeah, yeah we well, got we got a little yuckiness here. It gets the fucking of, point, weirdo. Like, yeah, like, but like you know what he's what he was trying to do was mention everybody. You know, yeah, he, he didn't. He, it was good. He's trying to sell the show. Like yeah. he's trying to mention everybody down the card, but. 
he didn't have his footing for most of it. For most of the promo, he was a little lost. And yeah, in the beginning, he says, how do you beat Sandman? <laughs> you throw a bunch of sand against the wall, and you tell him to hit the beach. Okay, so... You throw some sand against the wall. You throw a bunch of sand okay. against a wall, and you tell him to hit the beast. So here's what he's trying. To, I think here's what he's trying to say. Oh, I think he just figured it out too. I think he's trying to like to lay out a roadrunner scheme <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to destroy Sandman, and his scheme is to make a vertical standing brick wall. <laughs> Upright appear like the beach. <laughs> by, well, if you throw by, a bunch of sand at if it, if you throw enough sand at the wall, I assume the sand has to like stick or something, <laughs> or like coat the wall. It has to look like a beach. Regardless. It's gonna look like a sandy wall, and I think then you tell Sandman hit to beach. hit the beach, which he will then interpret as running face first <laughs> into the wall and hurting himself. Wow. This is a lot of leaps and bounds to make. It is a lot for a single line in a promo that we immediately move on from. <laughs> but I think it. I think it's important. I think. I think it's important it. because it wasn't a good line and it didn't no. work. And like I said, and we both agree, he didn't find his footing until later. No, and, and specifically, he... where he finds his footing is when he talks the about his part of the own whole show. feud. Yeah, when he talks best about the, the Sabu and and Shane Douglas and Terry Funk. I felt the same way I felt watching Terry talk. I got oh the other one. Really... I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> You brought up the, uh, I don't mean that. The I J.T. Smith one? I shouldn't have interrupted you no, for, okay. for this. This <laughs> <laughs> is the shitty J.T. Smith line? It's, it's in relation to the shitty J.T. Smith line because he says other stupid shit in this promo. Like I think he uh, mentions Jason and Peaches, right? He also calls Sherry Bruno, San Martino, and Oh, <laughs> God, I forgot about that. And I was like, all right, <laughs> sure. And, like, this is what I mean. Like, like okay, no, let's talk about this because... <laughs> Here's where it struggles for us, yeah. you know? We keep saying that these people are heels, but we have just showed earlier that Shane Douglas would have been a babyface if he cheated on his girlfriend. Yeah. So at what point is Paul is Paul a heel is what I'm trying to say. Paul might I be a think, face right now. I think... But he's cheating on... No, he's definitely a heel. I think tradition... I think the dynamic he wants... Is that he's a heel and, Sa- and Sabu's the face yeah. and he's the guy controlling Sabu. Yes. That's, and that's eventually correct. we're going to lead to the that's big correct. breakup. That's yeah. correct. That's correct. Yeah. That's cor- And we're going to get to why that's correct. Yes. Because in this promo. Do you, yeah. do you have something written down for the... Uh... Yeah, yeah. I, do. I don't have it worked. <laughs> I, have, I have one line written down for the, for the Sabu one, but it's fucking incredible. Yeah, I have only one other line written down. I don't have any line from the uh, this promo and down word for word. So if you want to, yeah, he basically just talks about he talks about in kayfabe about how he keeps Sabu chained up in his basement and feeds him like raw meat, and like he talks about how much it sucks to be the guy who controls Sabu, and he and he has a great line where he like paints this picture of like. Him having to like not being able to sleep because Sam yeah. was making too much noise in the basement. And he's like, "That's my life now." <laughs> specifically, so before before he gets into it, he's like, he alludes to a pissing contest between Shane Douglas and Terry Funk, but then he also implicates himself and Sabu. Because he calls uh, Sabu the baddest man in ECW who was screwed by Douglas. Yes. And, you know, this is where he hits his stride when he leans into Douglas uh, for being rewarded for his treachery. And he promises him he's not going to get away with it. Yes. And he, and he, the reason he's not going to get away with it is because he alludes to this nightmare of taking care of Sabu. <laughs> and part of this is, 
I I am not mis. I don't do not think I'm misremembering this. Hmm. <laughs> he keeps him in a locked cage yeah. while he struggles to grab raw meat yep. that is just out of reach. Yep. So like Sabu is this monster who doesn't even eat human people food. He eats raw meat. Paul, <laughs> I gotta ask you. Put the meat in the fridge. <laughs> Put, the meat in Put the it fridge. away. If it wasn't within his arm's reach, he'd settle down. He would relax. Nah. Like if, if there wasn't meat right outside the cage, Homeboy's gonna eat he would he'd be sleeping. He'd be napping. <laughs> he'd be like scratching his ear with his foot. You know, he wouldn't be fucking like throwing himself at the bars, moonsaulting into the yeah, bars was, trying to get this meat. You're complaining about not being able to sleep. She was very fixable. If you just order some Chinese and like just pop it in there. Yeah, like, yeah you could, <laughs> Well, I understand not letting him have full access to the meat. That's yeah, fair. You know, ruin his appetite. You know? <laughs> I mean, he's got a championship diet that he needs to That's maintain. Good point. Good you know? So Little I understand eggs. why he can't just have a steak whenever he wants. But put him away. You know, don't put him right in front of him. He'll settle down. You know, I feel like I don't know what this cage setup is. I feel like does it have a nice bed? Maybe, maybe just comfortable <laughs> sheets? I also, I also would like to examine the kayfabe a little more of Sabu, like, not being able to escape from He's in this fucking... Yeah, like, how do you get him down there? Like, do you hire 911 to wheel him down this fucking steps? Well, like, no. I mean, you have the... I don't know I don't know the guy's name. He usually wheels out Sabu to the ring, but I imagine that guy I, I think, I, I think that's 911, the big tall yeah, guy with the mullet. Yeah. Oh, that's what he's about. I, I, keep, I keep calling him 911 because I don't think he's 911 yet, but I don't okay. know what his name is now, so he will eventually become 911. Yeah, so, like, yeah, that's how you get him in there and shit. Although I will say that, like, you know, it's something it's something worth noting if you're a competitor, if you're if you're an opponent of Sabu and you know he's very bad at escaping from cages. Yeah. And ECW has the stupid WWF rules where you have to escape the cage to win. So like I'm just saying, put him in a cage match, you'll yep. have an advantage for sure. Definitely. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't do like a shark cage thing or something. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. But anyway, that, that was my favorite moment in the promo when he when he says that he takes care of Sabu. It was awesome. My favorite yeah. part of the whole show. And then he does he does lose his uh, and again this is where he um, I do feel like he's much better with a crowd because he there was no live reaction for him to figure out what part of the promo was working mm-hmm. so he has to instead land on a line that is really like safe for the time um, is really like disconnected from the rest of the promo mm-hmm. and he just did it because he ha- he lacks the confidence to really land on something that actually like will this book end. Yeah, on his on his booking end, and what he says in the last line, he he changes his tone and he whispers. He's been he was he was he he reached like a fiery like like yeah uh, yeah he impassionate yeah. like like yeah rant when he was talking about like, Sabu. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then he but then he breaks down into a, a whisper and he's like, I might just have a surprise for one or both of you, and you'll end up as useless as a woman from Philadelphia. <laughs> and again, I'm I, like we, we talked a couple times about like moments that age poorly. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's really funny how nuanced this misogyny is because not yeah. o- not only is it just like clearly like you're just trying to say like you know women suck like yeah. that's that's why you said the line that was safe for you because yeah. your audience is mostly misogynistic men mm-hmm. and when you shit on women you get a crowd pop yeah, a crowd every pop. time yeah. so it was safe for you to do that but. I think it's really interesting how he has to couch it in saying a woman from Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Because mm. like, because otherwise, well, it's just all otherwise, show, if you just you know? that's what I. But that's what I'm saying, yeah. Because like, that's what makes it wrestling. Yes. When you when you tie it into a locality, 
And that's so... It is one of those... Scary. Actually. <laughs> it's a little scary, actually. You can just make misogyny okay if you're just like... But, 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 woman in Philadelphia. But, 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 woman in the place we're in. You know? Like, it's like... It's the same kind of thing that I think we see nowadays with other uncomfy heel stuff. Oh, for and sure. how they're like, yeah, I know they're supposed to be a heel, but, like... It's just not good on its own. Yeah. Like, like, like. I think like uh, that's how some people feel about like fat shaming stuff. Yeah. Or like. Uh, MJF kind of gets in that area a little bit. Sometimes. He does. He does. Yeah. I think MJF does. A, well, this is a little off topic, but I think MJF does a great job of towing that line between For sure. like you know I'm doing this to upset you versus you know uh, what I'm saying is objectively upsetting yeah. even outside of this context. You know. That's why like, I hate like when he gets criticized. Or just a, he's like, oh, he just makes fun of the sports team every week, but like. But he does it in a, such a way that's so good. He's so aware. Like, like that's the problem. Like, yeah. Or that's like what they're not getting is that like he makes fun of the sports team and he's also making fun of the people who always point that out. Yeah. He makes fun of the people. Like he is very deep in that. He knows how to. He knows how to really penetrate and insult the most entrenched wrestling fans while at the same time making it make sense to a layman. Yeah. Making it make sense to somebody who doesn't understand that like. There's this show called New Japan, and there's other, and there's all these <laughs> I other love, shows. Since that, day like, one, he's insisted he's never watched like a second of Japanese wrestling. I think that's brilliant. It's so I funny. think that's brilliant. And when like, they had the, I love it, like the one time he wasn't around, it ended up working out this way. It wasn't planned like this, but he wasn't around for when they had the big crossover show. Because why would he? You'd be like, what the fuck is this? I think it's really important. Which got him for Sokata. Oh yeah, no, I, I fuck. That's a that's a program. Sorry. I really think it's like, it's one of the things that's going to end up letting him become a face is because he is making like a connection with all these wrestling fans who don't identify themselves with the other wrestling fans who agree with each other on the internet. Mm. Like, like people are do like he has immediate star appeal for somebody who's never seen a wrestling match, and he makes fun of people that these new fans can't relate to. Yes. This is a winning recipe for building 100%. for building a returning audience for building somebody who's lo- an audience who's loyal to you. What we're basically trying to say is Tony Khan fucking hate him. <laughs> well, according to his promo, he got hit with a lot of money. <laughs> I also recently got a raise, and uh, I felt the same way. I'm like, I was like, the Bruno's not that bad. Yeah, but, but yeah, you know what? <laughs> they keep wages a certain way, but you know they raise money. Well, that's why I feel the way I do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Paul Heyman finishes it up with the surprise thing. Uh, Matty, I, I thought this was awesome. I, I had like a big like. I felt like. This is such a simple little like storytelling thing, but I just love that it was on the show. Uh, I love Maddie's little thing here where he says, "Now, he, after Paul leaves, he goes, now, we are the ECW, and we are not for everyone. But if that last man, he bothered you, then we're not sorry. We're not sorry. We are sorry. <laughs> sorry. And then, <laughs> and then it ends. And, and it goes to a montage of the intro song and fights are breaking out. And I think uh, one quick thing about the montage of the fights breaking out, it was the most like shittily lit. Like this is unusable footage, so it makes total sense yeah, that like it it's the for end. the credits when it's blurry and you can't see. Like, and it is funny. It looks hilarious. The last line right before showing this horrible footage. Of, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Here's shit. And like he said that, I was like, wow, you reversed this catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, I thought the the last line. Um, I mean, it, 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 it didn't wow me because again, I thought the transition made no sense. I didn't. I did not. <laughs> understand the the punchline of the evil maddie gimmick i didn't i didn't get it so i will not give many points for the end of the show uh ending on that line however i will say that it worked in terms of like i don't know formally what you would expect i mean the show began with that and then it ended with you know we're sorry you know i mean it's uh (laughs) 
And it certainly puts the show over, obviously. Like, it certainly puts the show over as, like, a, oh, this is abrasive and we know it. You know? <laughs> like, I get that. Yeah. And, like, I really liked it. Um, I, I love that you didn't get the, 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 the devil thing. No, well, no, I did not. And, like, I, I uh, you know, I, I do remember them referencing it several times about how he looks like the devil. It's like, oh, can't he, or not, or the devil on the shirt. But, uh. No, I don't think it was a well-executed bit. I don't think it was a well-executed joke. I do think Maddie in the House is a good showman. I think his character is bizarre and a product of the time, and it would never work in any other year but that one. Okay? <laughs> yeah. It's really funny. And so this ends the first episode. Um, I would like to read to you a random... Uh, th- throughout my research for the show, I've come across many fun little uh, notes in the Observer in the here and there section. Um, I would like to read one for you now, if you'd like. All right, sure. Let's hear um, it. So this is a, an article from the Observer. What on the so same there's, day so as the you, show? Have you ever read an Observer? Yeah. So you know he has a here and there section where it's like a bunch of extra stuff, like little news sure. from it. So I've been reading the here and there a lot because that's where ECW has been in a lot of the times. They haven't gotten occasionally when there's enough news, they've gotten their own segment on the Observer, which is pretty cool. But they've mostly been in the here and there. So I've been scouring through like each month leading up to where we were and getting, and you get fun little things. Mm-hmm. Um, so like. You get some fun carny stuff. I think you'll like this story. So, on July 6th, 1993, Oregon promoter Sandy Barr is flirting with disaster. Several of his checks have bounced, which has caused his promoter's license to either not be renewed or to be suspended. Promoters have a license? Yes. (laughs) To get around not having a license, he's held two recent cards charging no admission, which gets around needing a license because the shows are free. However, he's charging $7 for parking. (laughs) Oh. Boy. Now, we are the ECW, and we are not for everyone. But if that last man, he bothered you, then we're not sorry. We're not sorry. We are sorry. Sorry. <laughs>